I know that we've just begun, but I would go ahead and like to say thanks for listening to our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> T Hank you. We Hank you. Hanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hanks. Hanks a lot, I would Hanks like to say. For the memories. You know, honestly, that's probably the podcast that we should have started is like Hanks, Hanks for the for podcast the or something, you know? Hanks for the podcast. Yeah. And it's just a Tom Hanks fucking review show. That would have been a good I love idea. it. Yeah, I love it. You just start with like mazes and monsters and being the drunk uncle on uh, 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 Family Ties. Uh huh. And then, yeah, all the way through Bosom Buddies, all the way up to today where he makes movies exclusively for dads. Yeah, dude. That could have been us, man. In an alternate reality somewhere, we're there just hanking the living shit out of it. Instead of talking right. about horror films on the newest installment of Dead and Lovely, it's the only podcast you're listening right. to right now, unless mm-hmm. you're one of those people that listens to multiple podcasts at the same time. Holy yeah, what moly. what are you doing? That's weird. Why? Calm down. That's strange. Yeah, calm Jeez. it down. Please. It's got to be really weird, man. <laughs> yeah, for you're real. You're with the host at the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And we're here today for a little summer vacay. We're taking y'all to the brubs. The brubs. <laughs> brubs. <laughs> that sounds like a Homestar Runner character. It kind of does, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brubs. How have we not done this movie yet? This is like no, on the list know. of... Honestly, that could have been a preview palace. Is like list of movies that I swear we've done, but we haven't. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I mean, this one's one we've... Probably talked about a million times because every time we talk about suburban horror, I, I mentioned the Burbs. I've watched yeah. the Burbs several times since we've started the podcast, so we're we're mentioning it a lot. But we're finally getting to it, and I'm glad because man, oh hell yeah, this is one I've loved since I was a kid. Like I remember, because I loved Tom Hanks as a kid. Just he's he's hilarious, um, and so this this movie specifically. Hits all the the points I love because you get Tom Hanks and you get like the the horror elements, uh, and then you also get Carrie Fisher and Wendy Shaw not wearing a whole lot. Oh my god, so, it's just cool. a, a fantastic movie, especially yeah. for a summertime <laughs> sensation like we're in right now. Absolutely. It's hot as hell. It is so hot in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah we just had a, a few ninety something degree days and it was rough as fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, if you guys want to skip on to the movie review, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description. If you don't want to hear us talk about our local weather, geez, you square. <laughs> Everybody loves local weather talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, skip ahead if you want to. Miss the good stuff. Why don't you? How's your weather? Yeah. I don't care. Huh? What yeah. Think about that? And huh? now with the traffic update, everyone in Portland, Oregon <laughs> drives like an asshole. <laughs> Sick, dude. Tight. Yeah. It's Damn. interesting. We've almost been hit so many times. It's crazy. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. because everybody's yeah. high on pots of marijuana uh, out there. Everybody's that, driving around with a pot of marijuana, of it, yeah. dude. <laughs> the potted up marijuanas are probably causing some of the issues. Oh, yeah. They're spilling dirt all in the car every time they take a turn, man. They're having to be careful <laughs> not to break yeah. the branches and the foliage. Yeah, because you, you got to keep the plant with you if you want to get high. People are like watering it and stuff, giving it the supplements while they're trying to drive too. <laughs> yeah, they got the cow mag. They're fucking d- trying to get the right dose. Yeah, I know. I understand. It's <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to grow pot and drive. Keep that stuff illegal. I say it's for the safety of our roads. 
No, I say keep it legal because you can get $50 ounces. So, rad. God, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds fantastic. It man. is amazing. It's really cool. <laughs> How's your week been, dude? Oh, it's been great. You know, uh, other than those, those few 90 degree days, luckily that was right around the fourth and we weren't going to go out anyway, you know, cause got a dog that, uh, sure does hate fireworks. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not big on them either and don't really care about celebrating the fourth. Um, but, uh, we did get some time to go out just last night, went to movie madness and just hopped over hop, skipping a jump to Belmont station here in portland which is uh i I believe one of the oldest uh beer stores in in the city uh and and uh our pal scoots magoots aka steven uh from from the facebook group uh let me know that they were doing a a little sours thing where they had a bunch of sours on tap so we went by there and just uh left our fate in his hands because uh the man knows his beers i'll tell you that uh and he he brought us over a whole bunch of of great stuff i would say the highlight for me was uh was the the special herbs which i I think i talked about before because he he had given me a bottle of this there's this great uh uh, just delicious rested in gin barrels or uh fucking gin something or other i don't know it's got gin stuff in it it's good special herbs taste good me like nice uh killer uh anna also got something that i think would blow your mind. I don't think you're gonna love it, mm. but it is an untitled art uh, rocket pop hard seltzer. Oh, and I bet it, I'm on board with that, dude. I love blue a rocket pop. Raz as fuck, dude. Fuck it yeah. is. I bet that's awesome. The, it was rad. Yeah, it tasted exactly like like a um, blue Raz, like uh, blow pop or something. So good. Have you had the untitled art seltzers that are like the Kool Aid flavor ones? No, that sounds awesome, though. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have, like, that. it almost looks like Kool-Aid packets, like, on the fuck label. Yeah. And they have, like, a Fruit Punch one and a couple yes. others. They are good as fuck, man. Hell, yeah, man. I, I'm down with that. I love Kool-Aid. I mean, I, I barely uh, ever, ever have it. But when I do, I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. You know, the thing is, that like, anytime I have fried chicken, I want Kool-Aid. That's really? just something I remember from childhood. Of like, I bet that's a winning it, combo. It is. It's great. F- fucking fried chicken and Kool Aid. My favorite, of course, is red. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> you gotta get. You gotta get you some red. No, uh, wait. Don't. Is that cherry red or fruit punch red? There's a couple I prefer, reds. Okay, I preferred cherry as a kid, but as as a, an adult, I definitely go for the fruit punch. A man of refined taste, I That's see. A young right. sophisticate. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, man. I'm telling you what, though. I don't know what it is. That combo. Uh, it's nostalgic for me that I, every time I just want them together. But that's awesome. I don't have to try these Untitled Art Kool-Aid seltzers. God, they make good shit, man. Untitled rarely ever fucks up. You got me thirsting for a beer just talking oh, about yeah? it. I think I'll go ahead and crack me one. Oh, open. hell. Go, yeah, go for it. I'm already over here drinking on one of my favorite drinks, which is a tequila soda lime. And mm. it's it's awesome. Very refreshing on a hot day. I feel like uh, tequila for some reason. You know, it's got that kind of salty characteristic. And it feels like, to me, tequila, while obviously not actually sating your thirst because it's alcohol, it feels <laughs> more sure? refreshing. No, yeah, I think I think that's how it works. I don't know. Maybe let's I usually just try. quench my thirst with tequila. 
Yeah, I'll just try. I'll for a month. I'll just drink tequila instead of water and see how it goes. See how that goes for you. I got myself a Weinstaffanar. This Damn. is their uh, their Hefeweizen. Just a nice little German beer right here. Seems like a good thing to have on a a hot summer afternoon. Got a little bit of that banana clovey kind of smell going on. Yeah, of course uh, it's gonna be good. Hell yeah, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm telling you what, oh, yeah, uh, it it has been a gorgeous summer out here in the Portland, and cool. Been really enjoying going to movie madness and renting up movies. That is get just you a like, rental, dude. It's the best. Like I mean, it's the the rentals are cheaper than than getting it on you know amazon or or apple or whatever and you get them for three days and you get to walk around a video store (laughs) like it's the best you get to walk around and be like oh shit i've always wanted to see that and it's not streaming anywhere holy shit i'm gonna watch this and then you 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 flirt around with it for a while and then when you're done with it you return it and you pick up a new one it's kind of like being it's kind of like being like a swinger for movies isn't it Ooh, Ooh. sexy no commitment (laughs) just fooling around with the movie we don't have to keep it that's right that's what a rental store is it's a it's a kinky experience Mm -hmm. Uh i can dig it (laughs) yeah i absolutely dig it i love it so much man we've we've watched so many things that uh we've been wanting to watch forever that just aren't streaming but uh, you know they are rentable but it's just like i don't know i don't know what it is about renting something online that doesn't feel as emergent like you you rent it and then it's like well you know i got 48 hours to watch this like with the going to the rental store it's like i i got three days to watch this i gotta get on it because i gotta take it back (laughs) well i'll tell you this too man like speaking of buying or renting shit online yeah, I think that I encountered something that really pissed me off here whenever we were doing the burbs this week because I swear we bought it on Amazon like forever oh, ago. I swear we bought yeah. it on Prime. And it's like not in our library anywhere. And so we looked it up. And yeah, sure enough, you can buy a movie on Prime and it's in your library. But the minute that some like licensing thing changes and it gets you know uh-huh. taken offline or whatever, yeah, it's right. just gone. Like, yep, you could buy gone. a movie you don't right it. now to yep. watch... And then at five o'clock, it's just like, oh no, you didn't buy that. You don't have it. Yeah, and it's not like they refund your money or anything. It's nope. just that was a waste. Yeah, th- this is this is something that like I think we've talked about in the past how important it is to have actual hard copies of films. Like I know, man. There's there's just like there's there's nothing there's nothing that's going to keep this streaming shit going exactly the way it's going i mean it's already to the point where netflix's library is just largely shit yeah. um so many uh services like max are just shedding things just getting rid of them like i the best the way, film industry is going through weird stuff right now <laughs> right exactly like you know and and uh, you know, the more uh, power to the writers in the writers' strike. Fuck yeah! I hope that they they get everything they want because definitely what the studios want to do is essentially replace them with AI and the the golden age of television that we just went through and this like golden age of horror that we just went through. Those are because of fucking writers. Those are because yeah, of humans. people humans coming up with ideas and the shit that they're gonna push out is gonna be terrible it's gonna be bad as fuck but they've already conditioned a whole generation of of kids to watch just nonsense on youtube 
that is fucking written by AI and has no goddamn like connections to anything. They're just conditioned to it. So they're going to see this shit and be like, oh, okay, this is TV, I guess. I tell you what, though, by putting that on an audio recording, once the robotic uprising happens and the droids start scanning all the databases oh, yeah, and I'm podcasts dead. and stuff, yeah. dude, they're so throwing you in the uh, uh-huh. the microchip the mines. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. I'm getting put in the microchip mines to mine microchips. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah you're going into the silicone gulag for sure. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. I. You know what? Listen, hey. Robotic overlords, uh, eat ass. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Does not compute eating ass. What is eat ass? Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so we've been been watching a whole bunch of movies. I got a big old list of them over here. Tight, tight. Yeah. Uh, We watched us a half-baked. We've been watching these stoner movies. I've noticed that. You've been on a streak, yeah. Yeah, because Anna has never seen them, so... Um, we, we finally got to Half-Baked, rented it up, and still great. Um, oh, yeah. I actually think I might have mentioned that last episode. Who knows? Uh, we watched on 4th of July, Jaws and Independence Day. The only That's like the fucking Petler double feature, dude. Like, we watched right. the, that's our double feature we usually do. Damn. It's, it's the only two movies you have to watch on 4th of July, right? Like. Hell yeah. They're, they're like. Fourth of July doesn't really mean anything to me, but it does mean Jaws, so that means something. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I like Jaws a whole lot. Boy, that movie's great. Uh, and Fuck Independence yeah. Day still, you know, is Independence Day. It is. That's for sure. That- Will Smith has got to get him one of those. Yeah, he's the best part of that movie. He and, he and Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, uh, dude, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the story and the characters, eh. I mean, again, I talked about it, I think, last year, this exact time of year, because I had watched Independence Day. Of course. That the this, the arc of the president character, played by Bill Pullman, is that he is he goes from a, a Democrat who doesn't want war to a Democrat who does want war. Hell yeah, like we're a supposed good to, president. Yeah, we're supposed to cheer that. We're supposed to be happy about that. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a badass now. He wants yeah. to go to war. <laughs> what a real American president he is. It, it's yeah, true. Dude. It's very true. So, that, I mean, I guess that, that may be commentary just on America. Uh, Could be, man. Let me ask you this. After you watched it, did it make you want to play the fucking Independence Day arcade game? No, I don't think I ever played that. No. Is it rad? Oh, wait. Hang on. Fuck me. This is Wee Brain talking. I was thinking of Area 51. <laughs> moving on. Oh, Area moving 51 on. was rad. Yep. That was moving so on. cool. Yeah, that moving so on. Awesome. All right. But it's it's not Independence Day. No. It is not Independence Day. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm so fried, dude. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Uh, we watched Tropic Thunder, which is still great. Um, How is it? Yeah, I know that that's one of those ones that I've I've heard some people be like, "Oh my god, this movie has aged so badly and shit." But I think it's all so self aware that yeah, like it's still I, yeah. okay, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think um, you know it's the same thing as when uh, the Always Sunny crew is talking about blackface in the Lethal Weapon Five episode and how that yeah. got like taken off of Hulu and it's like, but why? Like the point. 
The point is, the point is they're assholes. Bad. They're yeah. bad, and and they're like yeah, and, and like the point the point of the blackface and Tropic Thunder is that he this asshole goes too far. Yeah, and that's by the going, point. Yeah, the point is that like he he's not just by turning himself black, he's not getting the black experience. It's not making him understand the black experience. It's making and him an asshole. Yes, it's making him <laughs> an asshole. And that's why you have a character there, a black character there, calling him out on his bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I, I think people just kind of there is a great point that it's like, well, yeah, okay, but let's just not do blackface at all. How about that? Like, we don't have to talk about it. It's done. How about that? Uh, I get that argument. That's fine. Uh, I think that it, it, it would be hard to argue that this is saying blackface is good, though. Yeah, that, that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not at all promoting any no, of that shit at all. Yeah. Uh, watch Howard the Duck. Woo! Oh, man. How's that? Howard the Duck. I don't um, think I've ever watched it like start to finish. Really? I don't think I've ever seen that movie. You okay? I mean, <laughs> like, uh, you do. You There's need a duck to see with it. titties. There are two ducks with titties. In fact, there are four wow. duck titties in the first five minutes of Howard which is the strange because ducks not a uh, not a milk producing species <laughs> in this universe. They are they are mammals somehow. <laughs> What that duck milk do? I don't know, but I bet it's it's tasty. You know, it, it, you know. I don't if, know. But the thing is, like, the the higher the fat content of the milk, usually the better it is. And we know that ducks got a lot of fat on those titties. Maybe they're they producing thick. high fat content milk. So mm, I try some something. duck yogurt. Maybe you know. Maybe give that a shot. All right. Or maybe a little duck butter. I don't think no. that sounds good. I, I, no. I don't know if I'd say that out loud. <laughs> Maybe pass on that. Uh, it, pass. I mean, Howard the Duck is a fascinating uh, artifact because it is the first Marvel movie. And That's it true. has four duck titties in the first five minutes. <laughs> and it has Leah Thompson earnestly trying to fuck a duck. So you're saying that the MCU really got off to the right start. That's what you're it's saying. It's a multiverse movie. The first, the first Marvel movie is a multiverse movie. So huh. that's wild. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's just an interesting film uh, with, you know, pedophile Jeffrey Jones in it. Uh, Ugh, as, the pedophile the Jeffrey Jones. Ugh. Yeah. Tim Robbins is great in it too. Leah Thompson is awesome in it. I, I think everybody, in it kind of understood what they were doing the the main problem being howard's uh voice performance Mm. it's so flat it's just so flat it does not have charm to it 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 feels off entirely like the actor who got the role didn't like it and didn't want to do it (laughs) it just doesn't sound right anyway Mm. that's howard the duck uh we watched uh bad boys 2 which um it's, it, I still think it is better than Bad Boys 1, and that's the reason why you watch Bad Boys 1, is to get to Bad Boys 2. I think the humor goes downhill a bit more in, hmm. in Part 2. Like, in Part 1, there's I think there's a little bit more playfulness and, and less misogyny, though there's still misogyny. It feels like Part 2 is just, like, all misogyny. Like, all the jokes are either, like, 
homophobic or misogynistic. <laughs> and, well, it's Michael Bay, right? It's Michael Bay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, Known and for I, really having his finger on the pulse of social right. commentary and humor, obviously. Yeah. And I do feel like, uh, you know, in part one, it feels like Martin and, and, and Will Smith had, had way more improv going on. And it feels like there's it's much more directed in the second one. And, and a lot less like tangential and all over the place, which is yeah. what makes it a tighter movie. And, and the movie actually has like a coherent story and whatnot. But uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know if the, the humor holds up as much, but that's not surprising. I, I, I didn't kind of really expect it to going in. Um, we watched Inland Empire, David Lynch's mm, film. That one. Oh, it's a Lynch film. Okay. Yeah. All right. So super normal, probably. <laughs> it's very normal. Um, it's, it is, it's interesting. Like I seriously at the beginning was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Cause it's, it's shot on a, on a handheld, like Sony, uh, like mini disc recording <laughs> digital <What>? camera. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I and it looks like a fucking car commercial in the beginning. It's like what is going on? It's like a local car commercial. But it uh, just stays that way. Like the real movie never starts. It just kind of stays there. Yeah, no, it, it never it, it never it never he never changes to film or uh, better digital or anything. No, it, it's always that. What happens is as the movie goes on, he's like I don't know. It, it, the shots get better and better and look better and better. I I don't know. It was interesting. I don't know what he was doing with it. I'm not exactly sure if it's just he learned how to shoot on it better over time or if that was the point is that he wanted it at first to look almost amateurish because it's like a lot of shots are just like completely out of focus in in the way like the the foreground is out of focus the background is out of focus it's out of focus and also i didn't know this because we were watching on on the recent criterion blu-ray release nice that it was shot on standard definition so it was shot in 480p and now it's on blu-ray in you know fucking uh, 1080 plus and they had to use ai to complete the backgrounds because, no way yeah because there was nothing it's just blob basically just like you know once you put it up into the higher resolution it just looks like shit so they yeah, use yeah. ai and it looks weird at times it's really strange but it also is like i feel like lynch probably loves that yeah it probably makes it more surreal and dreamy. it does it adds to that like dreamlike quality of it and that guy honestly man, like i swear yeah he's He's wild. I, I enjoyed He's the movie. Up. <laughs> you know what? His movies are downright Lynchian, I'd say. I would say so. I would say yeah, so. That's yeah. another guy. You know, speaking of like movies that we've talked about a billion times but have never done, like we've never yeah, we've done any done Lynch, Lynch stuff at all. I mean, it's it's not really horror, but it sure, but scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> I think I think Eraserhead or Mulholland Drive could easily be considered horror. I think even Inland Empire uh honestly like it it turns into a a thriller uh almost horror movie by the end so yeah like i we should do some lynch because i i love me some lynch we got we rented wild at heart so we're we're just running through his whole catalog it seems nice uh we also watched parents which 
we were watching kind of because you know we were talking about suburban horror and i think uh the movie we're watching today the burbs is the perfect example of suburban horror but uh parents also really great example uh if you've never seen parents go check it out i don't want to yeah. ruin it for you it's on tubi it's a cool one it's a cool one yeah yeah definitely have, worth watch is it like bobcat goldthwaite or somebody in it who's in there no, uh, randy remember. quaid randy quaid that's yeah, it i was like uh, i know it's somebody like kind of goofy and he's so and scary yeah. in it he's so yes. creepy yeah we watched um, that was Brandon forever ago. That was one of Brandon's favorite flicks. I remember watching that with him, man. Yeah, I, I really love it. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Uh, and also, Anna was unaware that uh, Tom Hanks used to be in uh, completely different types of movies. Because uh, she she's seen Big, and Big is like his big you know, turn to legit sort of acting. And, and he was you know nominated for an award and whatnot. But uh, she hadn't seen like Splash or Money Pit or Dragnet or the movie we ended up watching, Bachelor Party, uh, which is full of titties. Just I've it's never just seen one it. Of, one of those eighties movies that's just like, yeah, you're gonna see tits and Tony Katane is really like, pretty. Is it like along the lines of like all that you know raunchy eighties comedies like Porky's and shit like that? I've never seen it. Mm, I mean. A little, yeah, I'd say it's kind of like that. I'd say it holds up better than those, though it's not It's not really good. Like It's not like a great movie. Um, there's, you know, there's some moments that were fun, mostly just like cringy, not very funny. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's not, I wouldn't rush out to watch it if you've never seen it, but it, it definitely was... It's a good Tom Hanks performance because hmm. he's acting, he's he's doing it. You know, he's on a Ferris Bueller level there, where he's just like super charming and everything kind of works out for him, even when things seem like they might go wrong, etc. Like, it, you know, in, in that aspect, it's worth seeing because Tom Hanks is great in it, but not really, not really a good movie. Um, on Friday night on the old screaming chat, uh. Uh, Joe Bob showed us Mad God. Holy which, shit. Whoo, buddy. So uh, normal. It's it's a very normal thing, yes. Easy uh, watch. Laid back. He, he also had Phil Tippett on to talk about it, which oh, wow. was very interesting. Um, it's I mean, it's really, really cool. The artistry Dude. that went into it is amazing. Yes, it's got to be the most intense stop motion shit that has ever been created. Yeah. Like, I've only yeah, watched the first sure. maybe like half hour or so of it. Like we made it right. a little past like the crazy like surgery scene. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh huh. And then we had to stop it, and I've not picked it up since because I mean you, it, it's a mood, dude. That movie is a fucking oh, for mood. Sure. It is viscerally bizarre. It is yeah. like. It is like a a, a full length tool video, only yeah, yeah. way more fucked up, like yeah, infinitely uh, more fucked up. A more fucked up eighty four minute tool video is a great description. yeah yeah yeah. Phil Tippett's a fucking master. He does he did a great job, uh, and it was great you know hearing him in the interview with Joe Bob. Uh, they showed Perfect Blue after that, but we didn't stick around because I really want to see Perfect Blue. I, I really wanted to, want to see yeah yeah. I really wanted to see Mad God just as it is. But I, I, you know, 
It's the last drive-in is not the best place to see a movie for the first time. I was gonna say I, I couldn't imagine like trying to watch Mad God and getting sucked into this surreal, hellish, just fucking then, lunatic landscape. And then it's like, and now let's talk and do some yuck yuck stuff. Then, yeah, and, here's Joe Bob and a bullet tie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back uh, to it. Like I can't, I can't imagine watching that movie that way. Yeah, it was a little, yeah, because it, it was like two and a half hours to watch an 84 minute movie. So, Whoa. yeah, not the best. So, yeah, we just decided to skip Perfect Blue because I want to watch Perfect Blue. Um, and then on Sunday, we watched Alligator 2, The Mutation. Um, Alligator 1, fucking rush out to watch it. Alligator 2, no hurry. <laughs> Don't rush. Mm, Take, your so Take your time. Take your time. Not a great one. Uh, see you later, alligator. Is that your review you yes. put on the Blu-ray? See you later. Absolutely. Yeah. See you later, alligator two. Um, the two yeah. kind of breaks the flow. Of it the does. Thing, you know. Yeah. See you later, boo, alligator two. <laughs> maybe better, boo, yeah. alligator two, boo. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, right. So yeah, that's. I mean, we watched a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, what have you guys been up to? Dude, it's been it has been a fucking busy week, man. Like holy shit. Like it is it has been kind of nonstop around here and it will continue to be nonstop. There's just a lot of plates spinning and shit right now. So I have been pretty full time exhausted. But we had our first uh our first free weekend in at least a month and a half where wow. Saturday and Sunday actually didn't have on the books plans for the first time in forever. Wow. Uh, so that was kind of nice. We got to watch some movies and shit. We did a little bit of work today on our uh, storage unit and shit, man, clearing some stuff out of there, which is always good. Man, I was going through some boxes today of my old school vintage Bidja game magazines that I've been toting around yeah. since I was a fucking teenager. Fuck yeah. Dude, it was it was a blast, honestly, going yeah. through those. I got rid of quite a lot of them. I'd say about half of them I'm going to donate. Uh-huh. Um, but, man, there's some of these that I really I want to hang on to. Like, it's... Yeah. Okay, honestly, not to get super fucking, like, bum out here, uh-huh. but it, it was a reminder, I think, in a lot of ways of, like, what a, at times, profoundly lonely childhood I had, where, like, I was yeah. going through some of these magazines, and it was seriously, like, fucking seeing an old friend again. It was like, oh, my God, this yeah, fucking Yeah, I know, I, like, I get what you mean. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, just just uh-huh. to bring it up, man, the joy that I would feel on like a hot summer day like this, where I'd go out in the morning to the mailbox and find like a new issue of, uh, you know, PSM, PlayStation Magazine, uh-huh. or Electronic Gaming Monthly, or any EGM, of those. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh my God, man. I had forgotten too, like this was an interesting thing to go through some of these magazines and realize, like late 90s, some of those issues of EGM were like... 300 something pages for yeah, a they were gigantic magazine they yeah. were huge mm-hmm. and then it's like you could totally tell like as i crept through the uh, the boxes of magazines and i started getting into the early 2000s when the internet was taking off and yeah. the magazines got thinner and thinner and yeah. thinner it was like watching like a magazine waste away into nothing yeah <laughs> it was really crazy to see that it was yeah no i i remember that that era it is it is strange because yeah growing up on like nintendo power i mean we had a subscription to nintendo power uh for a little bit and my my cousins had it i think for a decade at least like and yeah egm and then like comic book stuff like wizard magazine and stuff like that like oh shit i had some wizard issues in there dude i had a couple issues of wizard magazine yeah that i definitely had to like 
keep kind of hidden because there was like lots of ladies with big old boobies in there. Yeah. So I uh-huh. had to keep those hidden lest mom find and take my, right. my wizard magazines away. Uh-huh. But you know, the thing about it is, and again, this is just so fucking exclusive to if you lived a super sheltered lifestyle like I did back then. Right. Those, those magazines, like after going back and flipping through them and stuff a little bit, it's like I realize how much of a window into the secular mainstream world those things were for me because yeah even though wizard was about comics and mm-hmm. you know EGM and shit was about video games there would always be like side tangents about movies and like right. anime and mm-hmm. mangas and stuff yeah. like this that like I just had no access to I mean this is pre-internet childhood shit man so those magazines were such a yeah just just a, a lens to see pop culture through that I was not allowed to, you know? Right. Um, that stuff really did make a big impact on me, I think, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I uh, got to watch all the secular stuff, but uh, I definitely appreciated discussion of, like, um, you know, movies and stuff because that's how I learned about a ton of movies I ended up watching um, because I... I, I you know, wasn't keeping up on the trades and we didn't have the internet. Uh, yeah. so yeah, like hearing about, um, you know, the, the mortal Kombat uh, movie coming out is like so pumped or whatever. Like you gotta go see the mortal Kombat movie. And then I, I did go see it on my birthday and was just so stoked for it. Uh, that's a movie we might have to talk about sometime. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, man. For sure. It was also a reminder too, man, of, of like just how, fucking shitty and horrible advertisements were in magazines back then. Like, yeah. Do you remember some of like the video game ads that they had in magazines and all that back then? Like there was like uh, a like a Road Rash 3D advertisement that was like a, a baby in a leather jacket with like diaper rash on its butt. <laughs> yes. And it's like you getting rashed? It's like that'll make kids want to play this fucking game. Diaper rash on a baby's butt. Like who the fuck was making these ads, dude? I don't know, man. I do not know, but they they definitely like were selling some other lifestyle than I had cuz there'd be like uh there'd be like ads for like games and it would sh- it would show like some rad kid in their insane room that has like yeah. oh, dude, so much cool yeah. shit in it and they're like sitting there and they're like uh big sunglasses playing the coolest video games and it's like yeah i don't know that's not anybody's life though. <laughs> like what is this they're selling to me <laughs> <laughs> the image the dream the idea yeah. dude that's what they were selling and it worked uh-huh it did it did because yeah when i saw the wizard with fred savage and that one kid with the power glove i was like oh man that's the coolest thing ever not not Fuck the coolest yeah. thing ever. Not the no. coolest thing ever. The lamest. It was so bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, total trip down memory lane looking through those magazines, dude. Just whenever whenever I'd get one of those things in the mail, dude, it was seriously like today is going to be a chill good day. I'll probably go lay out on the trampoline after I do some bouncing. Yeah. And uh mm-hmm. read a video game magazine, then eat some buttered noodles and call it a yeah. day. That's Say my sad. prayers, eat my vitamins. Yeah. Have a good day obviously maybe go uh draw something cool maybe yeah i did yeah. i did find some old drawings and stuff yeah. in there as well some really <laughs> hilariously stupid shit yes you uh, did you sent me a couple that were <laughs> rad one of them oh, dude. Uh, was eating a corn dog uh it seemed 
<laughs> yeah, there was there was a phase where I guess like my brother and I had maybe seen like the Fat Boys on TV or something, and it was like uh-huh. let's draw big fat eighties nineties rapper guys. Okay, and so we made we made up a bunch, and yeah. uh, they're really really stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're- <laughs> I I really was blown away by the corn dog. It was like, huh? Why is he eating a corn dog? Man, I, I guess know. I get it. I mean, I like a corn dog. <laughs> it's a good a choice dog, too. It's easy, corn dog it's easy sure. to to kind of like indicate when you're coloring. Also, uh, you said you were seven to eight in those drawings. Probably, I, man. I'm telling mm-hmm. you what, you got you had seven, you had some talent, had some skills, man. I've let yeah, him rot on the vine, seven, eight dude. Year olds drawn on that level. Not that fat boy's level of fake uh, <laughs> imaginary rappers, man. Imaginary rappers, yeah. Damn, dude, damn. So lame. Just the funny stuff that us kids did, man. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Yeah, fun stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So we had some time over the weekend to actually watch a bunch of flicks, man. The week was busy, but we managed to power through a ton of stuff over the weekend, man. We watched... Okay, we watched The Devil's Own, which uh-huh. sounds way more badass than it is it's a movie that oh. came out i think like early 90s it's got um harrison fjord and a bradley okay. pitt in there all right and then- it's a movie where brad pitt is kind of like involved with like the ira and shit and so he does a really great accent <laughs> you know okay. how he does brad pitt I, known I for do. his accent work well, I mean, he he did he did an interesting job in Inglorious Bastards. It's certainly a southern accent. It is one. Yes. Yeah. Now, you tell me that you're from Maynardville and I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Know? Pitt, cuz sure I I for for 8 years of my life we're right next to Maynardville. I've heard a lot of Maynardville accents and that sir is not a Maynardville accent. But okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't great. It was okay. It was kind of slow. Um we watched The Wrath of Becky, which is one that a, a friend of mine texted me about. He's like, "Hey, have you watched this yet?" I was mm-hmm. like, no, what's that? And he's like, oh, and he sent me a trailer. And Kate yeah. and I watched the trailer, and we're like, oh, this looks pretty fun, man. Looks like a pretty cool yeah. flick. So we yeah. watched it, and it was all right. Like, I'm not going to say it was, like, amazing or anything, but it's a pretty pretty succinct, pretty short, compact little watch, an easy watch, if you will. Right. And um, so as we were watching the credits on, um, I don't know, it was on fucking Prime or whatever, uh-huh. and you know how, like, stuff pops up where it's like, people also watched this and this and this. Right. Uh, one of them was Becky, which I mm-hmm. guess was apparently the first right. one because we didn't know Wrath of Becky was a sequel. <laughs> yeah, so. I was wondering. I was wondering because I don't remember you ever mentioning Becky. Nope. And nope. yeah, this is. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> you know, it was all right. So we watched Becky after that, too. So we watched right. them okay, in good. the wrong order. This is why movies always need to have the number on them, dude. Right. That yeah. way you're sure you're watching them in the right order. You don't even have to put it in the title. Just put it on like the the thumbnail. Like that's what they do with the Harry Potter movies. Did two, you notice? Yeah. Like with that, it's yeah. like six, four. Yeah, like they exactly. put the number on there in a yeah. huge fucking font, so you can tell if you're watching them in the right order or whatever. Honestly, though, like you don't really need to have watched the first one to watch the second one. Like there's a few oh, okay. flashbacks of like, oh, I remember the last time this happened. Flashback, flashback, and you're like, oh wow, this kid has a fucked up history. And it just kind of <laughs> works, honestly. Like there weren't any there weren't any really big questions where I was like, wait, what the fuck are they talking about? 
it all felt pretty seamless to me. Okay, wait. So is Kevin James in the sequel? No. So in the flashbacks, you saw Kevin James and you were like, wow, weird. Kevin James did this like little bitty part. Well, it's only in flashes and he looks so much different in that because oh, in okay. the original Becky, he has like a beard and he's yeah. like mean looking and he has fucking Nazi tattoos and shit all over right. him. So it doesn't really, it never registered where I was like, why did they put Kevin James in the flashback? Yeah, you were like, like there's Paul no Blart. dialogue or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can watch them out of order, I guess. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were okay. Like overall, they were they were all right. Movies. Yeah, I've been meaning to to check them out because, uh, yeah, I, I've I've heard I've heard uh, positive enough reviews that yeah. I definitely should give it a shot. We uh we we rented actually we bought John Wick four because we haven't seen John Wick four yet and we were super stoked right. to watch it. We started it and made it like. 30 seconds in and we were both like do you know what's going on because i don't know what's going on right now because it's been so long since we watched the first three so the the fourth one just kind of starts and it's like wait what what's going yeah. on right now so we we're like maybe we should go back and watch the first three so we actually made it through one two and three over the weekend and god damn it why do those movies go so hard they have no reason to be as good as yeah. they are and to be as yeah. like shot as well as they are in beautiful yeah. fucking movies especially that third one holy shit yeah it's gorgeous yeah i uh i think you know uh, maybe a month ago we had just gone through one through three to watch four and we still have not gotten a four so i i am very interested in four because i hear it's three hours and it doesn't yeah. even phase me i'm just like yeah okay great three hours of john wick sounds awesome Dude, so seriously, I, that's the thing. Yeah, like yeah, I was kind of putting off the fourth it. one because I knew yeah. it was so long. But after having watched, um, uh, you know what, like six and a half, maybe seven hours of John Wick over right. two days, I'm like, yeah, I could take three more hours. Of this exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one we should consider for action August. Action August. Yeah. Explosion. <laughs> God damn, they're so fucking good, man. So yeah, I enjoyed yeah. the shit out of that. But I think the thing that I watched this week that I enjoyed probably more than anything that I have for a while, honestly. Uh-huh. We watched dang old Wolf Walkers, which is on Apple Plus right now. Okay. Wolf Walkers is an animated feature film that came out in 2020. Okay. And it was up for like I think the Oscar and stuff for best animated feature, and it, it got beat out by um, Pixar's uh, what's it Soul, okay, which uh-huh. which is really good. I mean, that's a fantastic movie, but dude, visually and just man, the storytelling, the fucking soundtrack, and everything of Wolf Walkers is fucking unbelievable, dude. Okay. Especially if y'all have like kids and stuff that are listening, you have to watch this fucking movie with them. It is so cool, man. It's uh, it's by the same people that did the book of Kells. Oh, so it has well, a like, very okay. you know storybooky, yeah. watercolory fantasy Gorgeous. kind of thing going on. Yeah, and uh, it's got some cool messaging and shit in there. Amazing soundtrack. Aurora is on the soundtrack, and I've just okay. I've really been into her stuff for the past year or so. And oh, cool! God okay. damn, man, I can't say enough about it. It'll become a regular watch for sure. It's so fucking oh, awesome. good. I gotta watch that then. Yeah, I, I like I like uh, Kells. That that's the the art style of that is so fucking gorgeous. Like. Yeah, I'll check that out. 
Mm-hmm. So good, man. So good. So, yeah, it's been a busy one, man. But again, thankful to have a, a little bit of time to watch some flicks and all that jazz and be working on some tunes. I got a, a big old yacht rock gig this weekend playing the smooth yeah. sailor, playing on the big guitar. So I've been yacht rock reviewing like crazy here lately. Man, I'll tell you what, that yacht rock, it might sound all all soothing and smooth, but it's it's like the duck on the water where it looks chill on the surface, but underneath there, them little legs is a kicking. <laughs> it's hard to play stuff. It's tough. Yacht rock is like a duck. Uh-huh. I love that. That's great. And yeah, also, uh, a yacht and a duck, not too dissimilar. Mm, Except a yacht mean? can't fly. Well, they both yeah, can, can go on the water, you know? That's true. That's yeah. true. All right. All right. You got a point there. That's the only part. In, like, I don't think there's any other similarity, but there's that one. <laughs> <laughs> After that, they're pretty much done. Sometimes they're they're both uh, yeah. white all over. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Uh oh. Also, yeah. Sometimes they're both covered in feathers, right? Uh, yes. Frequently, yeah. yeah, yeah. Frequently, there's a yacht mm-hmm. covered in feathers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. All right, all right. So, dude, I'll tell you what. We are talking about the Burbs today, the and burbs. that is a movie. What features one T. Hanks, Mister Hanks. Right himself and this uh you know as long as we stay on the horror train of things and become a a tom hanks podcast this might be about the only time we get to talk about old t hanks here on the show maybe action august at some point Um, maybe maybe but yeah it's uh, a stretch to say the green mile because it's written by stephen king but that's really not horror oh well Mm -hmm. there's some horrific shit that happens in it It does yeah it feels unlikely we're gonna get to another Tom Hanks movie. I think, in honor of that, we should turn this dang old preview palace into a regular T. Hanks giving. And let's just <laughs> fucking sing the, the praises of one Tommy Hank himself in the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. That one was weird. What happened yeah, there? Somebody pitched it was up different. all weird. Yeah. yeah. Strange, I'm going to fire the shit out of Bill Gates Jr., uh, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's fucking yeah. over, man. It's over, dude. It's over. Dude, Tom Hanks, man. So this is a guy that I swear, especially if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s, but honestly now even into the aughts and stuff as well because of things like Toy Story and, and Monsters, Inc. and all that. Yeah. Man, like there's no way that you grew up in Western society and don't have a Tom Hanks movie that you watched the shit out of as a kid. There's no way. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yes, since since the 80s, that has to have been true, right? Like, there is something for, not necessarily for kids in the 80s, but stuff that definitely I saw as a kid in the 80s, stuff for kids throughout the 90s and 2000s to, to 2020s. Like, it's, he he's definitely a part of everyone's childhood. He's America's dad in some way. Dude, totally. And it's crazy when you look at his career that has been so long and has had just smash hit after smash hit. And, I mean, for one, he's a total everyman dude. Yeah. Like, he just looks yeah. like a guy. Absolutely. It's not like he's like a fucking you well, know, Brad white Pitt guy, or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> he just well, looks yeah, like yeah. a white guy. <laughs> yeah. But he just, yeah. He's such like an average looking dude. Like He's not like some kind of fucking hunk or anything like that. He's an everyman. And, yeah. you know... He's never had a slump in his career ever. Like it's not like somebody no. like a like a Robert Downey Jr. where it's like, oh man, Iron Man is his comeback movie or whatever. Tom Hanks has never had a comeback because he's never left. 
No, no, he's, uh, I mean, he's pretty squeaky clean. He's not really a drug guy or anything and uh, extremely talented from the beginning, even though he wasn't immediately a star. I mean, you know, with bosom buddies and, and stuff like that. But you see him in, in those roles and it's like, oh, this guy has something. And uh, that almost, I mean, what, 84 is Splash? So pretty wow. early in his career, he's already fucking in a huge movie with Daryl Hannah. And yeah, he, he's he's been gigantic uh, throughout the entirety of my life, basically. Uh, I mean, and I, I'm very... Like, what we're about to get into at the Preview Palace is we're talking about our favorite Tom Hanks roles, and this one was tough for me, because there's, there's a lot of great ones. We were uh, driving back from the, the storage unit earlier, and uh, I was talking to Kate, and I was like, yeah, I think we're going to do like a top five, you know, Tom Hanks roles. Right. And she started like rattling off his IMDb, and it's like, holy fuck, like how yeah. can I even... <laughs> How can I even begin right? to narrow it down? I mean, because he's done so much, even genre-wise, you know, yeah. from uh, animated voice work to some really, really huge dramatic roles to everyman yeah. romantic comedy kind of shit. Like, yep. the guy has done so much. I'm, I'm going to say that my list isn't necessarily centered around, like, his five greatest performances or no, anything? No, absolutely not. No. These it's are just my the ones that I like the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so again, everybody yeah. has those movies that grew up with, you know? So right. we're going to rattle off our our five iconic T. Hanks roles from our, our personal roster here. You want to kick us off? What's one for you? Yeah, 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 I do. And um, this one is a little off the beaten path, but personally, I saw this movie a gajillion times because uh, it had two people I really liked as a kid, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd, Dragnet. I love Fuck. Tom Hanks' performance in Dragnet because it is, uh, it is you know, early in his career, so he's unhinged Hanks, uh, but he's kind of like reeling it in in good ways. Like, he knows when to go silly. Like, just like in this, this is after Dragnet, and you can tell, like, he's so much better at knowing when to go crazy and yes, dude. he does that really well in dragnet and that is a movie i saw just so many times as a kid because it was on hbo constantly and i'd be at my grandparents house uh it was it was like that summer probably of 88 i would guess my grandparents house or my aunt and uncle's house and they had hbo and we it would just be on all the time Saw that <laughs> i saw that movie so many fucking times uh, so yeah, that Tom Hanks role is always stuck in my mind. That's awesome. Plus him just like playing around with, you know, uh, paranormal enthusiast Dan Aykroyd. Like those two together are, are fantastic. It's been so long since I've watched Dragnet, man. I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm uh, very interested in rewatching it. After watching Bachelor Party, like I really do want, I'm not going to name some because they're on my list, <laughs> but I do want to watch some more early Hanks because. Oh yeah unhinged hanks is gra i mean he's he's got the gravitas you see him in so many roles where he's got that fucking strong uh avuncular or fatherly energy and whatnot mm -hmm. but i'll i really love it when he's just off the chain unglued insane yeah well i think that's what really drew me into the the first one on my list that i'll put down which is his role in the fucking money pit dude 
Yes. The money pit, man. Like seeing That's his also his on descent. my list. So. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. Okay, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Let's talk about that one, man. Because seeing his descent from being this, you know, bright-eyed young homeowner. Right. Into just this absolute despair over this yes. linen of a house that they've bought. And he goes Holy crazy. Shit. Dude, crazy. when the bathtub falls through the floor and the, <laughs> the camera angle is looking up through the hole and he just like right. does that laugh. Like you can't even begin to imitate it. It's so yeah. fucking perfect. It's so perfect. Yes. Uh yeah, that movie's amazing. Shelley Long and fucking uh Tom Hanks. Because again, I, I as a kid was a Cheers fan, so I was a Shelley Long fan. So Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah. Re, you know, like uh, also she did Troop Beverly Hills and other things. I I was oh, big yeah. on Shelley Long because she's very funny. Uh yeah, she's fantastic, the, man. Yeah, them together, just great. Just oh, it's perfect great, and, and she's yeah. almost like the straight man to his zany guy in that. Yes, exactly. Like she, she keeps it together better than him, uh, which plays well because he, when he's unhinged, it's so funny. I don't know why oh God, it, it. It's like <laughs> I don't know. It might be some sort of baby response, even in our heads, where it's like. He looks like daddy, and daddy's being silly. <laughs> like I don't know what <laughs> right. is happening in our heads. <laughs> that totally Tom Hanks that. is just so perfectly funny. It really is, man. Yeah. Well, too, I think like well for Kate and I both, you know, who grew up with with parents who loved old houses and shit, and we both grew right. up in like old hundred year old houses, right? And so you know the kind of like. Uh, you know, catastrophes that are involved with buying oh, yeah. an old mm-hmm. house. I think it makes that movie all the more real and all the more yep. hysterical. Absolutely, yeah. That that's just an uh, amazing performance. Uh, I also uh, have on my list here another early performance from 1992, A League of Their Own. Oh, that's on my list too, dude. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. Again, that was one of those ones I was thinking about all the real standout stuff like Castaway and shit like that. Right. And then I was thinking about movies that he's in where he's not even a main character, but he's so fucking iconic in it. Yep. And dude, him in A League of Their Own is so good. Just being a drunk piece of shit coaching this women's <laughs> baseball team. Oh yeah, my just- God, he's great in it. It's, it's cool too to see like a rare shitty tom hanks role where he's kind yeah, of he's an kind asshole of a, in an asshole it. who he's you know he's got a heart to him of course he does. you're not gonna find any tom hanks roles where there's no heart but uh he is an ass uh <laughs> jimmy dugan is just an ass he's he's and a he drunk. does it so well he like he can be so lovable well. and an asshole like the guy can really do a lot and i think we kind of underrate his range as a performer to be able to pull off such a wide variety of, of roles like that yeah no he, he he really like he uh because like he does the freak out you know as you're saying he's he's doing the asshole the slimy asshole type of stuff that we haven't really seen from him before this but he's also doing the freak out so you got the like there's no crying in baseball moment like you've got like a lot of good like him yelling that the ump moments he's still off the 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 chain there but he he's also like playing a, a scummier role which i don't know if we'll ever ever see an a scummy uh like unhinged hanks role again i just don't know if that'll happen right yeah i i, I do wonder about that yeah oh god he's so good in it though he's so fucking yeah. good that's a great movie yeah yeah, yeah he's amazing is, man Next one on my list here, 
is one that was on permanent repeat. I swear, dude, like you were just talking about how Dragnet was always on right. um, during your childhood. And in my house, that fucking thing you do was on all the time. Oh, uh, yes. Great. All the great time. Great role. Uh-huh. That thing you do. Great movie. He's great in it. Uh, yeah. I, and again, I, he's just a side character, but he's right, integral yeah. to the fucking movie. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, that and Catch Me If You Can and, and stuff oh, like that. Oh god, that almost like, made my list too. That movie's so yeah, good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, he he's so good. Uh, you he doesn't have to be the star. I mean, he is gonna when you're watching it. You're, you know you're watching a Tom Hanks movie. It doesn't matter if he's the protagonist or not. But he he's so good in that thing you do. That that's a fun movie. Oh, dude, it's so great. I've watched that movie. I mean, a zillion times. We watched it again, uh, like in 2020 sometime. And I was just blown away by how many of those fucking lines I remembered and the songs and fucking everything. Like, I learned how to play those songs on guitar when I started playing guitar because oh, I love that movie so rad. much. So you can play, <laughs> that's awesome. You can play some Oneaters tunes. Oh, yeah. The Oneaters. Uh huh. <laughs> Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters, dude. That's right. Oh, yeah. God, it's so good, man. What a cast in that movie, too. Jesus. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I th- so that's, I that's think, iconic to me. I think we're definitely showing our age here. Oh, and, yeah. And exactly which performances we find the best. Um, which is because- weird, because I think first-time listeners are listening to this, and they're like, man, I love these 20-somethings and their podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. We're bussing, for real. Um, Oh, we bussing, fam. Yeah. I mean, listen, no cap. There's no cap. (laughs) Yeah. What's the deal with cap? We don't need (laughs) it. You you don't sound dated at all, dude. You sound with it. (laughs) Bazinga. Bazinga. (laughs) Right? There you go. (laughs) Am I right, Uh, Bazinga? Yeah. So my, my next one on my list is uh iconic to me i saw it in theaters and cried and i was a 12 year old uh forrest gump oh okay dude interesting so this is one of those ones that you know again when we were looking at the imbd on this guy i was like man that is such like a huge important iconic movie right i because i didn't go to public school was never exposed to it i never watched this movie until I would say probably five years ago, dude. I'd never seen it. Uh, yeah. I mean, watching it now, like I have a lot of critiques of it, but not one of those is is his performance. Though so I liked it. I, yeah, I liked the movie. Yeah, I, I do wonder what his accent is particularly, but yeah. I, I I don't have a big problem with it. Tom Tom Hanks is so good in it uh, that and, and all the other perform. I think it, it that movie is performance based, like. Robin Wright and and uh, and uh, Gary Sinise and uh, yeah. fucking, everybody's going for it and it's really strong and good. That one's high on my list. Oh yeah, yeah for sure, man. Yeah, I I do wish that I would have seen that one a bunch more back in the day. It probably would have had more of an impact on me. It seems like everybody that I know that was public school was like nearly indoctrinated with that movie where it's like, oh, teacher yeah, wanted oh, yeah. a day off because they were hung over, so they dragged in the TV on the cart and we watched Forrest Gump. Like that seems yeah. to be a shared experience among everybody in our age range. Yeah, yeah. I I like I went and saw that in theaters and I think about that now 
like me and my sister were dropped off at at the 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 mall there in Morristown, and we walked in to the theater and got tickets to see Forrest Gump. And I was twelve and she was ten. And there's there's boobies in that movie. There's oh, boobies yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be good, dignified boobies in a movie if it's a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> and they were. They were good, dignified boobies. Dignified. Yeah. <laughs> when they came out, like, trumpets blared, and they were announced. <laughs> like, a guy came out, and he was wearing a big powdered wig. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you uh, boobies. Uh, Wholesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense, man. Forrest Gump. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, what you got? Okay, one that was introduced to me that was a huge part of my uh, my wife's family's regular watch rotation that I had never seen, never heard of, and I still meet a ton of people who only think of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan as interacting in a sleepless in a Seattle or a You've Got Mail. But dude, okay. they first crossed paths in a Joe versus the Volcano. That's right. Dude... That movie is bananas. If you it have is. never seen Joe yep. versus Volcano, I I beg you, listener, go <laughs> watch this fucking movie. Like I have nothing to compare it to. Like I I don't yeah, even know wild. what I would say. Like, well, if you like this, you'll probably like Joe versus Volcano. It is completely its own beast. It is so weird. Meg Ryan is bonkers in the movie. She plays a couple different roles, and they're all amazing and bizarre. Like it's it's Meg Ryan's fucking. Best movie by a mile. She's fantastic. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, God, I need to rewatch man. it. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's so much weirder than you remember. I think the older I get, <laughs> I believe the that. weirder it gets. Yeah. It's fantastic. Let me tell you, I have a very exact memory of when we watched that. My, I was, uh, I, I used to go and stay with my, my cousins every weekend because they were like my closest friends, uh, and my aunt and uncle would rent movies and oftentimes like either make uh some food or order food and they had ordered little caesar's pizza which was right there next to the video store they got this back whenever it came in the long cardboard flat yes the the paper bag over over it yeah Uh yeah yeah a very distinct memory of biting in to pizza that can only be described I think as meaty. The pizza, yeah. the Little Caesars pizza then was meaty. You bit well, it into it. It was square it. too. It was it a square, was square. pizza. It, there was too much sauce usually, but I liked it. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and just a distinct memory of watching Joe versus the volcano and biting into a piece of Little Caesars pizza. Fuck. Dude, I would eat the fuck out of a hot and ready right now. I'm starting to get hungry, and the idea of a hot and ready sounds so good. I don't know when the last time you've been. They use lockers now. You just like pizza portal, yeah. The pizza portal, yeah. Pizza portal, yeah. It's Mm -hmm. cool. I like it. (laughs) It's kind of neat, and the pizza is still just fucking awesome because, of course, yeah, yeah. It 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 hits exactly what you want, which is chain store franchise pizza. You're not looking for fucking great New York pizza or great nope. Italian pizza. You're not uh-uh. looking for any of the regional distinctive pizzas. You're looking for franchise pizza. You're like, oh, man, you know, it'd be great to something like uh, Domino's or something. Little Caesars oh, okay. hits the best. Side tangent about regional pizza real quick here. You ready for this? Okay. 
You got the Chicago style. You got the New York style, Detroit, sure, Detroit. style, all these different uh-huh. things. St. Louis, sure. There's a place in Knoxville that's opening up that is a Ohio style pizza. Oh, do they put fucking uh, chili and <laughs> and <just> spaghetti noodles <laughs> on it? It's so much worse. Honestly, I would be more okay with that idea. Okay. You know, you know, me and Ohio have a problematic past. You know, Listen, I'm, I'm hard I think on everybody Ohio. in Ohio have a problematic past, including everyone in Ohio. I know it's totally a Stockholm syndrome kind of relationship yeah. for sure. <laughs> Ohio style pizza, dude. They 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 cook the crust, and then they put just cold mozzarella cheese and pepperoni on top of it, and okay. send it out to you. It's cold what? shredded. Yes, they do not melt the fucking cheese. Fuck for. And the pepperonis are straight out the bag, cold. And it's supposed to be like that, Steve. It's not a take and bake. It's you're supposed to eat it this way. Hmm. Why the fuck would they do this? That's wrong. You've Why? done it wrong. They decided to do something wrong is what happened. They were like, ooh, what if we did a thing wrong? And then they tasted it and they were like, oh, this tastes like shit. What if we sold it to people? Yeah. What if I just call <laughs> it Ohio style? Ohio style is I went to the grocery store and bought a Boboli pre-made pizza crust <laughs> And then, and then my electricity to like got cut off. To the crust, then threw the cheese and stuff on, and I was like, "Ah, fuck it, I'll eat it now." Yeah, fuck it, I'm too hungry. <laughs> Living in Ohio, touring the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has exhausted me. I just, I can't wait. I just got to eat it this that, way. Oh, that Kiss exhibit really got me. I just, I gotta oh. have some pizza, and I can't wait for the cheese to melt. <laughs> All those famous guitars just wore me out. You know what? It, it's almost honestly like just a fucking big ass uh, like Lunchable pizza. You remember like people always idolize the Lunchable pizza when it's like, well, it's not right. melted or anything. It's, it's just gross. cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's essentially what it is. Why the fuck does that exist, Ohio? Fucking justify yourself to me. Please explain shout, yourself. Shout out to our beloved RDM who is from Ohio. The best thing that ever came out of Ohio is he definitely is, RDM. He is. He is the best thing that ever but came look, out of Ohio. He don't live there no more. That's he wised up. That's a good point. Listen, he left the land of the cleave. He's, yeah. he's not there anymore. Good point. Got the fuck out of it, man. Who the yeah. fuck eats that? And they're like, you know what? This is better than melted cheese. Who the fuck? <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I'd hate? If this cheese had that nice brown to it. And that little bit oh. of crisp crunch. Ugh, get out of here. <laughs> I want it to be cold straight from the fridge. Oh, man, I really hate it whenever those pepperonis get hot and they curl up and the edges get a little crispy. Ugh, yuck. Don't I cup hate up. that. Don't cup up and have fat in you. Yuck. Uh, no, not that at all. I hate it whenever you bite into the piece of pizza and the cheese, like, stretches. Gross. Right. Who the fuck says that? Yucky. Cook the fucking thing already. <laughs> Get in there and cook If the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were from Ohio, oh it my work. god, they'd go for that pizza stretch and just fucking shredded cheese would fall off. <laughs> Look like an ass. Michelangelo would be assolo. Like, did they never see the fucking Goofy movie? You know what pizza's supposed to look <laughs> exactly. like. Exactly. You know stretch is supposed to look Listen, like. Listen. Watch the Goofy movie. Watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Cheese stretch. That's what it's all about. Yeah, real cheese stretches. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it don't fall off uh-uh. coldly. Ugh. Ugh. 
so aggravating. Ohio, what is with you all? We, we were talking about Tom Hanks and we got off on Ohio. This is pizza. critical, though. This is it important. Is. It is. I, I'm just reporting what happened. I am not critiquing it. It is good. I need answers. We did the right I need thing. Answers, man. Ugh. <laughs> All right, so Joe versus Volcano was my pick. What was your next one? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, so my last one because because uh, uh, we agreed on Money Pit uh, is Castaway. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> God, so far, good. we haven't gone beyond like the year two thousand and one. I think there's a ton of great roles he's had since, but these are just like the ones that most effective to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think he's just, I mean, he's amazing in Castaway. He's alone. He's performing alone for the majority of the movie and doing losing such a great job. Yeah, mm. losing his shit, uh, really showing us, like, I don't know, like, you know, when he when he makes the fire and he's being silly and stuff, that's, that's our, you know, the Tom Hanks we know. But he loses a lot of that silly, silliness throughout and then becomes more serious but then like by the end he's still like he's like found that sense of whimsy again and i i don't know i, I think it's just like a real good um performance that that is i mean it's 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 real brave to be the only person on screen for that long that's uh yeah that's make or break like if you fail the movie fails like you, you're real, the right? only reason it would fail too like you're the hinging point so uh, he he nails that man. It's a great movie. He I does think. man. That movie is definitely a, a a fucking journey for sure. I've only I think I've only seen it like one time. If I'm not mistaken. Oh okay. Well I yeah I've I've watched it a lot. because uh, I I don't know his performance and Helen Hunt's performance both just amazing and that so and and like it's just a real complex movie too. Like the ending being so like bittersweet but also like interesting and like well maybe things are gonna be okay uh like i don't know i i i think it's one of my favorite complex tom hanks performances yep totally man good choice good choice yeah. um the last you? one on my list dude i i can't help it it's the subject of today's show it's the fucking burbs like this is one of those oh, movies yeah. that <laughs> oh i didn't know that was an option i agree i had to honestly <laughs> yeah. i kind of like i wanted to not put it on here because it's no, like well, we're talking it. about the movie we love it obviously yeah. but yeah this is one of those ones man that like the reason i know that this is so fucking good is because i didn't grow up with this movie i watched this movie for the first time oh like, wow okay i think it was probably like 2018 2019 watched it over at kate's parents house and i had never seen it before i had heard of it it was one of those ones that always kind of comes up on horror comedy lists and shit but somehow i had gone like my entire life without seeing this flick and man alive like i have seen it since then i don't know three or four times something like that and i swear i'm still constantly finding new reasons to to love this movie it is so fucking good it is easily one of the best horror comedies ever it's definitely leaning more towards comedies than horror um for sure i mean just like i mean this is a joe dante movie and dante leans towards comedy a ton uh yeah you know but also loves a little horror in there too man he likes like like dante flicks man he he really does toe that line between doing things that are silly and funny but also kind of fucked up at the same time he does it so well yeah yeah no i i I think that like he 
he's the perfect choice for directing this. Um, the the idea that like you you really want it to be a comedy that has horror elements because he does that so well, and also that you're going to be dealing with Tom Hanks who is coming off of big. At this point, he uh, I, I think by the time they're shooting, he had been nominated for an Academy Award. And so you need you need a director who can deal with a, a big personality and not just Tom Hanks. You got fucking Bruce Dern and, and Carrie Fisher and uh, Rick Ducoman and Wendy Shaw and everybody in this. Yeah. And fucking Corey, Corey Feldman. Like he he's he's wrangling a whole bunch of big celebrities and names at this time uh and and he does it so well like he they all get their moments they all get really good moments yes and, and really bring a lot to the film i i i think like he joe, joe dante was just the perfect choice to make this film which is about the suburbs and how fucking weird the suburbs are uh, like the 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 impetus for it was Dana Olson thinking about his middle class upbringing in the suburbs and just how like everything seemed normal all the time, but then suddenly you'd hear a story about like how a local librarian killed his entire family, right? And it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, we were just living right down the street from this, like, and that's that's like kind of the crux of suburban horror, right? So we've talked about Poltergeist and. Nightmare on Elm Street and and uh, uh, Slumber Party Massacre and uh, Halloween, the I think the original suburban horror. Like we've talked about how the, what they deal with is this like disconnection between neighbors. So you've got people like screaming in their house next door, and nobody's calling the cops, and nobody's coming to rescue them, even though they're like you know feet away. Uh, and, and how much scarier it is that there are people nearby that could do something and they don't, they don't do anything. And this movie deals with a bunch of people trying to do something. And that's the horror. <laughs> like the horror <laughs> is that like <laughs> they're jumping the gun on a lot of shit cause they got nothing else going on in their lives and there's nothing else to look at except they're in a cul-de-sac. You look at your neighbors, uh, the cul-de-sac it, it, I think the cul-de-sac is the scary... Like, Dick Miller says that cul-de-sacs are creepy because there's only one way out of them and everybody in them's weird. Uh, Dude, and, I, I grew up at the very end of a cul-de-sac. Like I grew my, up my near first a cul-de-sac, like, right in. near yeah. the end of the cul-de-sac. And it's true. It is so yep. fucking true. That and it's funny, too, because, like, especially us growing up, you know, in, in 80s suburbs, like, we can watch uh-huh. this and totally understand that that sense of isolation that you get. It's really strange, even though like you and your neighbors are just separated by a fence and you think you'd know yeah, everybody I didn't know in any your neighborhood, your little community. No, dude, huh? No, like we I were only really tight with a couple people on our street. And then, well, I mean, I've told the stories about like Chester the molester that lived on our street and all this right. other crazy shit that like, you know, th- just the, the little rumors and the little stories and falsehoods and shit that form when you've got chatty people with free time living shoulder to shoulder with other people like this movie does that so fucking well and and there's no like there's no new people normally so the introduction of new people is is the biggest event of the year outlier yeah yeah, totally like who are these somebody bought that old place down there Yeah. yeah 
Well, uh, the subdivision that I I like spent a lot of time in because I my my mom never lived in the subdivision. We lived in trailers, but my my grandparents lived in a subdivision. My my uncle built most of the houses in that subdivision, and I remember like everybody who lived there was basically old. I remember when a new family moved in, and they had a teenager. And it was like the only thing we could talk about. (laughs) Like, oh, who's this? Who's this new teenager, et cetera? Like, there's nothing else going on. Like, the the normal way a city develops is like stores and, and housing are like close to each other and they're integrated. And like, you see people coming from different neighborhoods to come to this particular store because this particular store has things that other stores don't have, etc. And so there's a lot more like interaction and new people and not so much, you know, uh, only focusing on your other neighbors, like especially oh, yeah. in a cul-de-sac. I mean, the, uh, uh, Michel Foucault talked about the the panopticon, this this idea mm, yeah. of like the ultimate building or the ultimate government building being one that uh, everyone can be observed through. Like when you're in this cul-de-sac, you're all simply observing each other. You're all aimed at each other, and all it can—it's like a Mexican standoff every day. Like your life is just a Mexican standoff with these people across from you. And, and and wondering what they think of you and what you, you know you you wondering what their lives are and stuff i i think it's so interesting cuz this this movie deals a lot with like image and projection and like you know who you let your neighbors think you are and all those other things i i think this is probably the ultimate suburban horror movie in that it kind of defines a lot of the tropes of suburban horror that had already existed, but hadn't been really just like set in stone. And this one just kind of sets them in stone very specifically with like, uh, Tom Hanks's speech at the end. And then Rick Ducoman's speech to the news about how the suburbanites aren't going to take this anymore. And they're coming for you. And that's like <laughs> the scariest part of the movie, right? <laughs> like, Oh shit, yeah. these people are coming for me. This is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these nosy fucking busy bodies that are right. just <laughs> paranoid as shit about each other and making up shit about each right. other and being snooping and oh my god, dude. It's it, it's fucking amazing. It it, it yeah. really really does capture that entire landscape. Um so well, man. Like I I've lived in the suburbs as a kid and as like a a young man in my 20s, we rented a place in the suburbs and uh, uh-huh. in the country before we we bought our first house right and now i've lived in the city and man like i'll tell you like even when i was in my 20s and we were living in that suburb the amount of times that we had like our neighbors particularly this one set of neighbors that was over to the side of us like call our landlord and complain about the most inane oh my just fucking ridiculous God. shit dude it would be like my fucking grass uh, would be yeah three inches high because i haven't mowed it and like they would seriously call my landlord and be like listen we have a baby over here and with that yard <laughs> they're gonna be attracting snakes there's gonna be snakes in that long grass <laughs> seriously like this is a legitimate concern because when you have fucking free time and you live in the suburbs and you just have people butted up right next to you and all right. you have all you have time to do all day is to think about how they should be doing shit 
and they're not doing shit as good as you're doing shit. Right. Oh, God. It's just fucking awful, man. It, it's so awful it leads to, like, storming the fucking Capitol. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. That's, that's, no. that's it. Like, that's the type of shit that happens. Like, they get so caught up in an actual real-world bubble. I know people are talking about bubbles a lot on social media recently, especially with the downfall of twitter and uh blue sky and uh, whatever the fucking uh, instagram thing is that that like they're living in the most bubble bubble that ever bubbled like Mm -hmm. everybody in their neighborhood has a boat everybody in their neighborhood has a hundred and fifty thousand dollar truck like they have no issues so they gotta find you gotta make some up yeah you gotta gotta make make them up you gotta make them up so now you're fucking mad at trans people. Like now you now you can't stand the idea that somebody might have freedom in a way that you don't like. Um, oh, let's get mad at drag queens because they're definitely right. doing something. I don't know. I I can't believe somebody would show up at my local library and read stories to kids. Fuck you. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. take my kids to a family restaurant like Hooters. <laughs> Then exactly. let my kids see this yeah. sexualization. Ew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like the 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 levels at which the suburban landscape can create horror is just so so interesting to me. I mean, I honestly I think and if you haven't seen this, one of the best examples of suburban horror is an always sunny in philadelphia episode where mac and uh dennis moved to the suburbs go check it out if you've never seen it it it, it's one of the best examples of suburban horror and it really deals with like the the eerie quietness of the suburbs which this catches really well in that opening scene the way that the suburbs are just quiet in a way they shouldn't be like like uh we live we live like right off of a pretty main street we hear cars we hear people talking we hear you you you're reminded regularly of humanity i'm i'm sure you probably are where you you're at too yeah reminded pretty regularly you're part of a big group you know and the suburbs don't have that they're separated you don't hear shit you don't even hear your neighbors most of the time it's just an isolation that is like damning in some way where you you just can't connect to other people as easily because you don't have to deal with them regularly Mm -hmm. yeah dude i like i I lived so far in the country that it's like you'd hear a car coming and you'd rush out to the front window to be like who the fuck is driving yeah why would somebody yes what's going on here why would somebody be here like you fucked up or you're trying to kill me I love that the entire kind of message of this is when you have free time, whether that's because you're on vacation or because you're a retiree or whatever. Right. You'll Your just wife's away. make mm-hmm. shit up. Yeah. You'll just make shit up to <laughs> well, stay entertained guys, okay. and stay engaged. Here's the thing is specifically it's these guys. It's these like, guys. It, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really like focused on suburbanites because you or I left with a little bit of time are going to make something. We're going to do something, right? These guys aren't going to do that. Their jobs aren't creative. Their jobs aren't interesting. They're not doing something that honestly matters. This is their outlet, is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, their outlet is creating drama in the neighborhood because they don't know anything better. They don't know anything else. I mean, 
like uh, you've got a retiree. You got Bruce Dern, who's clearly a military retiree. You've got super Art. badass, but like still loves it and is just itching for any chance he can he get wants, to get yeah. back on a mission. Oh dude. Like yeah, he guy. wants a mission. He wants a reason to exist. Uh, and they, they, apparently, it's not his gorgeous wife Wendy Shaw. I, I don't know what he's doing. That's what I'd be paying attention to. But, <laughs> yeah, stay inside. Come on. <laughs> but uh, you got Art, whose wife is away, and it's like uh, I, I, I was. I was struggling a little bit because I know that Rick Ducoman struggled with his weight. And I was like, is this movie just making fun of him? Like, it's just like a, a, a fat joke the whole time. I know he is a stand up comic. Right? Did a lot of like, uh, you know, fat jokes and, and whatnot. So he probably felt fine with that. But I also think that some of the joke is his wife's away. He hasn't had a good meal. That's why he's like oh. eating voraciously. Because, yeah, because like every scene is like, I'm starving. We got to get something to eat. Let's see if I got some cookies right. or something in here. Like he's always like, I hadn't thought about it that way because like yeah. I was kind of getting that vibe too. Where I'm like, is this is this the '80s thing where it's like anybody that's fucking ten pounds overweight is like, oh, he's the yeah. fat one. He always eats. Like I didn't know if they were trying to get at that, but I think you're right. I think it's the fact that since his wife is away, yeah, the guy doesn't know how to fucking feed himself. <laughs> right. Yeah, because the the dude uh, Rick Tukoman, like he 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 struggled with his weight. He was four hundred twenty pounds at a certain Jeez. point before this, but he was he lost two hundred pounds, and it, he was on the other side of that almost by this point. And most of his career, he was at about two sixteen. I mean, he's like six three, two sixteen. He's a, that's not fat. Yeah, he, he's a, a, a thick dude, but he's not fat. So like. I think yeah, some of the joke is 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 a clear like easy '80s joke. He's bigger than the other people. He eats a lot, but I really think a lot of it is he he can't he, like they all treat their wives like moms. Yeah, and he can't take care of himself because his wife's away. Right, like he, at the end of the movie when the ambulance crashes into his house and catches <laughs> it on fire, and they're like. They're like, Art, your wife's back and your house is on fire. He's like, my wife's home? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the thing reaction, he's worried yeah. about. He's, like, <laughs> he's worried that mom's home. He's in trouble now. Like, yeah, yeah. The way that Carrie Fisher treats uh, 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 Tom Hanks and, and, and Bruce Stern and, and Rick Ducoman, like, they're treated like children. And and Wendy Shaw is just kind of like, oh, she just sees her husband almost as a kid. Like, she, she packs him a, a little lunch when he goes up on the roof with a gun with animal crackers and tea. Oh, my God. That's the best. <laughs> that is the fucking best. He is having the time of his life up there. And he yes. bites the little head off the animal cracker, just like you fucking do, man. Like He does. He does it so much like a kid. He's just like, like goes straight for the head. Uh, yeah, He's like great. The, the movie is really about how uh, upper middle class white men, when left to their own devices, will create reasons why they are like, you know, the, the, the one who is the victim, why they, they will create a way to be the one who is being harmed by society or by their neighbors or whatever. They, they, can't sit still i say they we're white men <laughs> but we're not upper middle class uh, yeah we're know. making a podcast dang it we're <laughs> <Right>. doing something <laughs> but i mean like the, the the point is these particular men can't do that they can't sit still they can't let their neighbors live they can't let 
people do their own thing. If they're if they're given even a moment of free time, they're going to look for someone to persecute and they're going to yeah. think that that person is making them do it. Like they keep talking about suing <laughs> like life this is. Fuck. Yeah. They keep talking about suing the Clopex. Like they walk onto their porch yeah. and step through the porch and then uh, Art talks about suing them. Then later Bruce Dern talks about suing them when he steps through the porch. It's like you didn't have to come on the fucking porch. Dude, like, that's something I love about it is how fucking invasive they are about everything. So and then when something bad yeah. happens, they act like they're the victim. Exactly. <laughs> so Every, time, Every time they're the victim. Every single time. I do think, okay, so the ending of the movie is something I struggle with a little bit because... I get that, yeah, yeah, because it, it almost justifies everything they did. Yeah, it almost like, justifies well, everything, right. but it doesn't really. It, it, I, I think that the movie, especially with the speech that we get from Art after about how the suburbanites are coming for you, it really is just like, yeah, maybe they got it right this one time, but this is bad. This is not a good yeah. thing. You shouldn't uh-huh. be this way. This is a bad thing to be. I think Tom Hanks's speech was the speech that is about the moral of the movie, where he's talking about, like, we're the problem. Like, we're, yeah. we're the issue. We keep trying to look in everybody else's windows and whatnot. We're the issue. And then it just so happens these people do suck <laughs> like that can happen you can absolutely accidentally be right <laughs> yeah it's interesting they kind of went that angle with it because the movie could have turned out being like oh no the Klopex are just kind and innocent people and you know these suburbanites were just trying to start some shit and they were wrong about it the entire right. time and just all this was in their heads that would have been a pretty satisfying movie, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. But then uh-huh. the fact that it turns out that they are murderous fucking psychopaths and that they were right gives it that fun horror element. It's like yes. a little bit of a little you know rear window kind of action yes, going on. Yeah, in here. very much. There's uh, there's there's that rear window element to this where it's like actually, <laughs> even though he is paranoid and creating a whole bunch of drama. He did happen to catch a little bitty thing that is murder. Yeah, uh, I I think I think that like that that uh, is definitely an inspiration. I think the monsters are due on Maple Street, which is a Twilight Zone episode, also an inspiration of this, which is that is about a suburb that really turns on each other, etc. Like they all create a narrative, like Walter goes off to the hospital and they decide he's been murdered and (laughs) like it just snowballs from there everything gets bigger and bigger and more gigantic and it's it's the thing is that as a comedy there's no way for it to end but that the family is in fact doing this that's the Mm -hmm. joke that's the punchline of everything that's built up at this and so i get why they went that way because otherwise it's just a it's just like a heavy-handed drama. <laughs> like at the end, it's like you shouldn't do this. Like right. that, that's not as funny. It's funnier if it turns out actually they were fucking doing this. That's crazy. And dude, it's so fucking funny. Like this movie, I swear, man. Like every time I watch it, I find new stuff to laugh at, and a lot of yeah. it is so subtle. Like there's a lot of shit yeah. in this that is subtly fucking hilarious that you you only catch if you're really 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 watching it like one of my favorite parts comedically in the movie 
is the part where um, it's fucking Art, right? Art is his name. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Art comes over to yeah Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher's place in the morning. He's like raiding their fridge and eating all their food and eating everybody else's right. breakfast and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there's that scene where Carrie Fisher in the background goes to like the fridge and gets like a bowl of something. And she walks by him, and he immediately sticks his hand in there and grabs it and eats a, a mouthful of it and kind of makes this gross face like, oh, what was that? And then in the background, it doesn't even draw attention to it. She lays the bowl down for the dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I didn't notice this the first several times I watched the movie. I thought he was just grabbing whatever she had. But if you watch, she lays it down, and it's fucking dog food. Like, the fact that the camera doesn't make that an obvious joke is so yeah. fucking good to me, dude. Yeah, yeah. The, this this movie is just layered heavily with with jokes to the point that yeah, they don't even have to call them out. <laughs> they're yeah. just there. They're just they're just happening. It's interesting. And it's a variety this, of stuff. It is. It is. Th- this is written uh, uh, by Dana Olson, but th- this movie actually went into production the exact day that the 1988 writers' strike started. So Dana Olson couldn't be on set to you know rewrite or write a new joke for a particular scene you know you know how on 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 a set a lot of times the director will feel like actually this this moment needs a a joke and they'll turn to the writer hoping that they they got something in this case you're not going to be able to do that so it puts puts a lot on the actors luckily we're dealing with you know Tom Hanks and Bruce Dern and Rick Dukoman and, and Corey Feldman and and Carrie Fisher and, and and just a whole bunch of pros who know what they're doing because the improv in this a lot of it is is some of the best stuff you you get like uh, uh, art saying you know, Satan is good. Satan is our pal. That's <laughs> I want that's... to kill everyone. You're yeah. chanting. You're chanting. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. So that's improv. Uh, you know, uh, Car- Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks came up with some stuff for their characters, particularly the little bit where they play they play along with Jeopardy. Like it's just a small thing, but it certainly adds something to their their couple character and whatnot. I, I I mean we're in the midst of a writer strike now. I assume that you know we we're recording a couple weeks ahead of time, but I assume it'll still be going by this point because the studios fucking suck. Um, and it, it's it's one of those things where it's like uh, this writer uh, Dana Olson, of course, has written this script. He sold this script. He's gone through pre-production with this script. So he, of course, wants the production to go well, and the production is scheduled, and the, you know it, it coincides with the writers' strike. They were trying to get in before the writers actually did strike. They didn't. So you can't be on set to do the thing you want to do, but you also want the the project to succeed because your name's on it. it. It's a real complicated situation for writers when this happens, where your yeah. your your project is going into production right when a writer strike happens. Uh, and so, so like, uh, uh, you know, there, the encouragement, I think during this writer strike for, for fans is to, of course, the stuff that's coming out, you, you should still watch it or whatever, because these writers worked hard on it beforehand. Yeah. But the stuff that's being written during the strike and coming out, like Ryan Murphy is in some hot water right now because he's 
in production of an American Horror Story season, oh. and he's one of the main writers. Like he should not be doing that, according to the huh. Writers Guild. I didn't so, know about that. Yeah, far less complicated. That is pretty simple. It's like, well, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. So if you want to support the writers, then don't watch that. Um, hmm. This this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, of course, on a comedy, you're always going to have improvisation. That's just going to happen. But largely, you're going to have also maybe the writer on set, maybe another writer on set to punch things up, etc. And if you don't have the right talent, you're not going to get the enough good improvisation to make it work. This movie works because the talent can make it work. Like in the times when they need a joke, Tom Hanks is going to pick up the gurney and throw it in the back of the fucking ambulance and and jump back on the gurney. That's a great improvisation that you could get with, you know, even with a writer on a set. So I I don't know. Like, (laughs) I guess what I'm the, the line I'm walking here is like, it sucks that this had to be made without the writer on set because I know Dana Olson would have, definitely uh had some some jokes there it's also great that the talent was able to pick up where the slack was like they they make this movie really good like they they make it work for sure yeah without the cast and their their chops for yeah comedy and improv i i don't know how this could have ended up even near as as good as it did man and something i like about this is that everybody gets comedic stuff like there's not just one character yeah, that's funny. the funny mm-hmm. one and the yeah. other ones the serious one or whatever like everybody has lines in this that are fucking hysterical man so good yeah. dude art's lines god damn dude like that guy has <laughs> such like dan Aykroyd energy about him anyway yeah. but uh, canadian the way they're both canadian yeah, yeah. that's true that's true <laughs> just the way that he approaches some of that shit is so fucking funny man that that same scene that you're talking about with the the chanting and all that right i love when he's they're looking through that demonology book and he's like they got all kinds of demons in here the incubus <laughs> the succubus the incubus the, <laughs> the way he says that shit uh-huh. cracks me up so much yeah. man and dude the, yeah. the clopex have so many fucking hilarious uh, lines dude that, I quote all the time, and it uh-huh. came with the frame. <laughs> it came with the frame all the time. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, that man. was great! That, that scene yeah. where they like really make their way into their house, dude. They all march over there with that that fucking plate of brownies that gets dropped immediately. <laughs> and then, like, he just kind of scoops them back onto the plate, and he's like, a little something for the old sweet tooth, Hans. And they're covered in, like, debris and pieces of the porch and shit. And he gives them over anyway, and they don't even get invited in. Like, they just let themselves into their house. Right. That, <laughs> they that run scene, in. They, like, they just push themselves in, essentially. Yeah. Such oh assholes. My God. <laughs> and that scene where they're all, like, in their living room is the most hilariously awkward shit ever it's so good the way that uh ruben is just so hostile towards everybody cracks me the fuck up <laughs> he's yeah. like so klopek what is that slavic and he's like no no <laughs> just pissed. like so pissed that you'd even imply that they're yeah. possibly fucking Slavic. And Hans, dude, the younger one, Hans, is just so bewildered and weird and fucking confused the whole right. movie. Like, yeah, again, when another Wendy line. Shaw touches his shoulder, he just like, <laughs> freaks the fuck out, oh, has no man. idea what to do. 
that's like another line in here that I never caught before that I think is really early on in that scene. I want to say it's Bruce Dern, the fucking investigator of this entire operation is like, so what are you guys Catholic? And Hans is like, I don't know. (laughs) You don't don't know know. if you're Catholic. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) He's like pulling at the wallpaper. He like this huge shred of the fucking Uh, wallpaper. Bruce Dern is like he, I mean, they're last name is rumsfield which is clearly a reference to donald donald rumsfeld who was secretary of defense for nixon and and george w bush later um like he warmonger (laughs) yeah he's a warmonger he he's aggressive as fuck like he is interrogating this person in their own house like just joyously he's like smiling yeah the whole time he never gets like intense like you can't handle the truth like ptsd vet crazy kind of stuff like he just loves it so much he's so excited to get his toys out and get his infrared scope and his night vision goggles (laughs) and he's back in his fucking element dude yeah and 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 it's it's so funny that like the way, the way that it plays out, like, they're very childlike, like all our, our three main men. But, like, oh, just babies, yeah. This, they're acting like little baby kids, but the, like, the shit they're doing and the results of the shit they're doing is like adult. Like, they burn, a, they burn their house down, they burn yeah. it to the ground because they're suspicious of them. Like, they break into two houses. Yes, <laughs> they do. They do break into two houses because a guy who they don't really know wasn't at home that day. Dude, whenever they're in there and that plate of cookies gets like obliterated because Corey Feldman busts that door open. Yes. Like it, it doesn't even really have any consequence, but it's so funny just to it see like, so look how intrusive these assholes they're are. They're just the worst. Yeah. I love that Corey Feldman's character and uh the the son fuck what is his name he's uh he's really like droll i love that like um the the son and uh uh dave is his name the son mm. and cory feldman's character they're both uh, cory feldman's character i think he's like 17 or 18 like his parents are away but it's like what is it it feels like he owns the house like he's painting oh, it but not like fully painting it like i don't know what's going on but they're they're like they see the bullshit for what it is. And like the, the youngest kid is just, he's sick of it. He is not interested. And then Corey Feldman is just like, he sees it as like entertainment. Like he's he's slowly developing an audience for the, the daily entertainment in the suburbs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Corey Feldman is very much us watching this bullshit. unfold, And these silly, you know, men, children go on their little mission. Like he is, yeah, watching the movie with us for sure he talks to us at the end like he says yeah, a little fourth wall break yeah, yeah he says like god i love this street like it's a thing he says earlier in the movie he says it again at the end right to us it's like yeah we've been watching this together wink wink like i, I really like that moment yeah yeah it's awesome and again that's another like funny long joke that i never really got until i watched it this time is yeah i guess this whole movie takes place over about a week maybe five yeah days, yeah something. it's like supposed to be monday through friday it's his week off 
And then yeah. at the end, he says he's going on another vacation. <laughs> yeah. But this entire time, Corey Feldman, his entire job has been to paint that porch or whatever. And he's got like all the paint and the boom box and the brushes and all that shit. Right. And by the end of the movie, there's like half of one post that has right. been painted. He barely but he barely like, anything. It, it doesn't show you. It doesn't show you how little progress that he's made. It doesn't show yeah, him. Yeah, pointing it out. Yeah, the joke no. is, is like right there in the background. Like you have to pay attention to this movie to catch all the the really funny shit that's actually going on because it's funny on the surface but there's yeah. so many levels to all the different jokes and so many things going on in the background and some of them are even entirely like cinematic jokes it's like we have the characters doing verbal jokes and even some physical jokes i love when art falls through the roof and leaves like an art-shaped hole in the roof <laughs> It's because it's a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Like, this, this movie's basically a cartoon. Oh, and his melted ass credit cards. <laughs> and Tom <laughs> Hanks like uses his own and just breaks it immediately. Just breaks it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no point. But um, you know, so you get that physical and verbal humor, but then there's also like camera humor, like movie making oh, yes! humor. Where yes! it's stuff that oh involves the way that stuff is shot and even the yes. way that the soundtrack bumps happen. Like Dude, whenever it's doing that scene where everybody in the neighborhood is doing that Mexican standoff and it's like zooming in on everybody's eyes, like, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly style, and it <laughs> yeah. zooms in on little Queenie the dog's eyes, like it shows yes. the fucking, the dog is involved in this? It's so yeah. stupid. And we should point out that is the dog from Silence of the Lambs. Right? Yeah. 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 That's Darla. Yeah. No, that, that that's so funny. The moment when they're talking about the femur bone and the the camera <laughs> yeah. starts zooming in and out while they're screaming, like oh yeah, yeah. the zoom in and out while they're screaming yeah. and shit. That's so again, funny. like that's that's camera humor. That's movie making yeah, humor. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, the the movie is very aware of itself, and like we we know the camera is there. Like yeah, oh very much. All the all the other characters other than Ricky Corey Feldman's character don't seem to know it's there. But we know it's there. You can the movie is making it very clear. Like the camera's here. It's part of the movie. Just go with it. Dude, you know one of my favorite gags in here that I always forget about until it's on screen and it just fucking murders me every time. It's okay. that scene when Tom Hanks is having that dream after he's watched all those horror movies that are on TV. Again, being aware of, of horror uh-huh. and a horror movie. Right. But there's that scene where um it's fucking Walter and Queenie, and they're talking about how they got murdered, and he's got a big axe in his head, and Queenie has a little tiny axe in her head. It's like a little, it's a tiny little dog-sized axe in her head. Yeah, fuck me, that's hilarious. (laughs) That's that dream is so interesting because it really does follow the logic of a dream. Like the he knows the dog's not dead. Uh, also when, when art shows up in the dream, he is the guy he was talking about who killed his family. Yeah. The soda jerk guy. Yeah. And he's also bigger. Like he's wearing a padded suit. Yeah. Very dream logic where like, like it's almost like, uh, the character of, of, uh, Ray in his mind sees art as bigger than he actually is. I wonder like, too if you know, like even in that dream, and the you know, I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Right, uh-huh. All the demonology and all that shit. I wonder if this is somehow even a response to like satanic panic shit. You know, is this right oh, around yeah. that time period? Or is yeah, this pre- it's absolutely around that time. Yeah, it is. It is definitely like 
I think uh, which again on- is a bunch of fucking suburbanite fucking middle class right, exactly. white people yeah. imagining a problem that didn't fucking exist and ruining people's <laughs> lives over it. Right. Yes, and that that's exactly I think the sort of thing that they're they're dealing with the way that suburbanites have nothing better to do than create drama. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. have nothing yep. better to do. And that drama can, can become national. It can become international. It can become gigantic just because they want it to. <laughs> That's it. It's just like uh, the real horror of the movie is that the suburbanites get away with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right, man. A- another way the humor kind of plays into the movie, too, is with uh, uh, fucking Jerry Goldsmith's incredible score for this flick, it's man. It's so good. It's so I'll good. tell you this, man. Jerry Goldsmith, I think, is maybe the most underrated film score composer that there is and i think honestly part of it is because his stuff is so seamless like to me whenever you hear perfect yeah john williams piece you're like oh this is definitely fucking john williams you know you know it's Uh fucking him um even the same with some of james horner's stuff and all that i mean definitely Uh a danny elfman like you know right yeah danny elfman for sure Mm -hmm. but like jerry goldsmith is so tuned in to just serving the movie that he's almost he's almost styleless in a way. Like the way that you right. know it's Jerry Goldsmith is if it's fitting the movie almost too fucking good. Right. Yeah. Where you you have to make yourself notice the score. Yeah. And I bet yeah. he had a blast doing this too, man. The way that For sure. okay, one of one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie well, okay. First fucking great soundtrack thing that happens. The start of the movie where Tom Hanks like just puts a foot over onto the Clopex turf and the wind blows and there's like yeah. the creepy music and like that's already setting it up. But the next mm-hmm. morning when we have all the character intros, which happen so quickly and so succinctly, but sum up every character so fucking well, where it's just everybody yeah, setting foot on their on their front porch in this little cul-de-sac and Whenever it's Rumsfeld, it has this very patriotic fucking march yeah, kind of thing going on. It, in music. It's Patton, very yeah, Patton. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's doing a variation of the score, uh, the 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 Patton theme, yeah. And, and it, then, it, like, it does it, that, yeah. It reminds yeah. you of a military feel immediately, and you're like, oh, I get what this guy's about. And then when it shows Queenie crossing the yards to take a shit over on that one dude's yard, like the way that it incorporates that stupid little dog bark in the soundtrack, <laughs> it's just like, woo, 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 yeah, woo, 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 is hysterical. <laughs> That's Queenie's theme, yeah. <laughs> Queenie's theme. And then, you know, Corey Feldman comes out and breaks the soundtrack with his own diagenic soundtrack of that yes. boombox and that metal that he's he playing. Because he listens like he's, to, to metal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like the disruptor of this entire thing. God damn it, it's so good the way that that intro and everybody's setting foot out on the porch and what they're wearing and what their music is tells you everything you need to know about those characters. It's subtle. It's a whole lot of show-don't-tell, and it works so fucking well, man. Jerry Goldsmith is a monster, dude. And you know he yeah. had fun with this, too, getting to do all the the pipe organ, vintage, yes. hammer horror sounding shit, yeah. as well as some of his more orchestral stuff. You know he had a blast. Yeah, I, I, I think that he he makes the like the tone all work. Like the the fact that the 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 stuff that's going on with the music is all so seamless 
makes you not even really think about like because this is a very dark movie but it's a comedy the whole time it never stops being a comedy it's Mm -hmm. got real dark shit in it and would have had even more dark shit if dante had gotten his full way like when they open the trunk at the end and always see your skulls like his first idea was dead cheerleaders which is oh shit wild uh and then his second idea was that the garbage men played by dick miller and dick robert miller. picardo uh would be the guys and i actually think that's like the best that that, that would have yeah that's that's that would have actually made that the tone is perfect there i think where they're the victims because it's funny like when it's just skulls, it's like, oh, okay, so they kill people, whatever. When it's yeah. cheerleaders, it's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> That's fucked up. Who are these people? But yeah. when it's people you've been introduced to, and they're kind of ridiculous and silly, and then suddenly they're dead for no reason. That's I think that would have been the funniest punchline. But it's also probably because there's not really gore in this movie. No, there's uh-uh. bones. You see um, the doctor has blood on his glove, and he says it's paint. So we're told it's paint, though we know it's blood. Uh, there's there's really nothing else, though. I can't think of no. any actual gore. So I understand why they changed it to just bones, because they were clearly going for a, we're just going to not do gore at all thing. But a little well, bit of gore would have been it together, good. too, though, where, like, earlier in the movie, whenever they caught him out in the backyard, like, digging up their yard in that rainstorm, right. it's because they were getting nervous that their neighbors were noticing what they were doing, so they had to dig them all yeah. up, and that's why yeah. they threw them in the trunk. Like, it ties that together nicely, but the garbage men thing would have been interesting. Those characters really stood They're out to so me this funny. time yeah yeah because uh, yeah. like what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> well robert picardo is essentially trying to invite dick miller to go to a cult meeting like he's talking he's talking about some guy who can like some healer guru yeah right yeah it's just nonsense and dick miller's like yeah i got bowling that night like i'm not gonna come to your <laughs> fucking crazy cult meeting like i i love I love that the way they play those out because then when Art shows up and starts pulling out the fucking garbage and Dick Miller's like he's focused on like what a fucking mess this guy's making and how much this sucks and Robert Picardo is helping him. He's like you told yeah. me to be helpful. Like what? <laughs> well then you got Rumsfeld coming out there and they start talking about the legalities of like well it's public <laughs> public domain once it reaches the sidewalk and the legality of this shit what the fuck is going on in that scene and technically i believe in most municipal codes it becomes city property the moment it enters the garbage uh truck so technically they were wrong it was city property because they were pulling it out of the back of the garbage truck but uh, that that makes it funnier to me is that like they don't none of them really know the law they're just trying to like use it as a shield so they can do what they want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that scene is so fucking funny man you ever chomp down on a sardine on a pretzel is that something you do on the regular <laughs> that's a weird choice i think um i had a, i had a roommate who liked sardines a lot shout out to john hi uh he likes sardines a whole bunch. He was a bit, he was big into salty stuff. I I know that 
the eighties and nineties made sardines and anchovies the worst thing possible to eat, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was totally and like they, a ooh gross anchovies on a pizza. Kind and of they thing. really aren't. They're fine. Like it's not my first choice, but it's fine. Yeah, I mean, you I'm ever had a, put a, it on a real a good Caesar salad with a fucking you right. know, ground up sardine? Yeah. It's fucking great. It's delicious. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I I think that's just like a weird. I don't know why that joke. I guess because like a lot of the directors and writers who grew up in the late fifties and sixties and stuff probably ate a lot of canned food, mm-hmm. and it's not the best. <laughs> there's there's better ways to make food than to can it first. I was thinking though just about how subtly funny it is that they specifically chose to make it a pretzel like that's one of those things that was like certainly a choice it's like it could have been a saltine cracker or whatever but the fact that they're like here pull this drippy wet oily fish out of this tin (laughs) and then put it on top yeah a pretzel which is like 90 percent holes So it's going to be like <laughs> dripping through there and yeah. shit and getting all over your hands. Like, you know, you're getting that shit everywhere. I, I makes do it think funnier. It, yeah, I do think it's the crunch. The crunch makes it the funniest. Because <laughs> Ooh, the sound effects are so bad. That scene, they're dude. They're so that's about heavy. It's yeah. about a nine on the tension scale for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, biting into a saltine is crunchy, but it's 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 more of a dull crunch. Biting yeah, that into a pretzel is that sharp snap crunch, and that kind of sells the comedy of the bit, where it's just like, oh, oh no, like you, you, you're, you're mad at the sound as much as the concept of eating this, like, Ugh. yeah, it's, I, I think that's the perfect choice, and it, that's the only reason to choose it is because you want to. that sound. Dude, whenever the Clopex like offer him that, and Tom Hanks kind of makes eye contact with his wife Carrie Fisher, and she's, she's kind of like, like, "You better fucking take the snack. Yeah, you better you do take it. it. We're not." <laughs> he eats it, and he's just like holding just straight eye contact with her the whole time, like "Mother of God, get me through this." And what it's is so it, fucking funny? What is it? Wendy Shaw says, "No thanks. I'm trying to cut back." <laughs> yeah, like, what? What? She's made a conscious decision because she ate too many sardines. Oh my god, dude! It's so funny. It's uh, like Carrie Fisher doesn't get to like yuck yuck it up a ton in this, and she's no, very much she's got like good moments too. She but, has great yeah. moments, dude. That moment where they're like they're out on the deck and like Rumsfeld and Art yes, come over and they're like uh-huh. <laughs> asking if Tom Hanks' character can like come out and play, and yeah, she's like, "No, yeah, can Tom Hanks come out and play?" <laughs> she's like, "Not until he returns to being the man that I married." And I think it's Art yeah. is like, "We don't have that kind of time." <laughs> Right, and and if I can, uh, 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 Bruce Stern says, "Oh, he's in big trouble." Yeah. <laughs> They're oh my like God. such little kids. It's insane. It's so fucking funny, man, dude. And, and the thing is, is like, I don't even take insult at, uh, at any of that. Like, as a dude who is probably around the age of some of the dudes in this movie, I don't even take insult in that shit. Man. No, it's like, correct. I yeah. like that it is really pointing out that they are just boys being boys on, on summer vacation and the women are just rolling their eyes and probably like, I can't believe I let this guy inside me. Oh, my God. Like, I love that dynamic. I think that makes it funnier. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I I think, uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher and Wendy Shaw don't have a lot to do, though. Like they mm, do yeah. have a couple of fun moments, but they don't get as many fun moments. Uh, but they're fucking killing it. I mean, they're both they're both like 
just uh, really bringing their characters to life. Because Wendy Shaw's character, I, I, like, the movie's so good at not telling you too much. Like, Bruce Dern, the actor, is, like, in his early 50s, I think. But we're supposed to see him as retired. And so this wife, who seems way younger, is probably, like, this new trophy wife or second yeah, yeah, wife yeah. or a midlife crisis type of wife with no and tan lines <laughs> yes yeah and she yeah she's out barely wearing any clothes like dick miller says that she's naked, naked ladies basically. yeah <laughs> yeah dude that line where he just turns around and he's there and he's like the suburbs are crazy naked ladies <laughs> yeah <so> funny <laughs> dick yeah. miller's amazing dude i love dick miller yeah i i, I think though that like yeah like um the way that she she is portrayed is like she's supposed to be this sort of trophy wife who's kind of learning that despite the fact she married a much older man he's just a little boy and mm-hmm. that's fun and then Carrie Fisher who is she like originally in the script uh Tom Hanks Ray was he had been fired and so he was pretending to oh. be on vacation and some okay. of that still kind of lingers in i feel like i feel like the way that carrie fisher's character plays out is much more focused toward the idea that he's been fired because she is she's being so supportive but also trying to like focus him and mm-hmm. trying to get him into like a groove cuz uh, in the original script she knew he had been fired and even though he was trying to hide it from her like she she had already gotten the news interesting okay yeah do we ever find and, out what his job is no no I didn't we think have so. no concept of what his job is which is perfect because that is i don't know if you drive through a suburb ever but i've driven through suburbs and just been like what do these people do yeah what do these people fucking do to get these i don't understand and i know it's probably the most boring shit you can imagine like he can't divorce himself from work and it's like yeah but what is your work like if you said like oh my god like i had to take a week off work I normally am a guy who jumps out of airplanes to film other people jumping out of airplanes. It's like, oh, I get it. You're an adrenaline junkie. No, he just works a normal fucking job. Like, what are you trying to get back to? <laughs> like, what? What is it that you're so on edge about that you can't just relax at home? Mm-hmm. I love that it's kind of left up in the air. We have no idea what his actual job is. No, I, I like that about it too. I, I was kind of wondering about that. I was like, did they say? And I just totally missed it because he's trying to like show off his new toys to art and show him his new toolbox. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I, I love, love that beat in the movie. Like they're just yeah. doing nothing. He's like, oh, did I show you my new tools? <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very little boy. Like, look at oh, my new toy again. Totally. Yeah, just like, and he's like, "Are you gonna build something with that?" And he's like, "I don't know. Think about know. it." <laughs> <laughs> so he just got tools for no reason. <laughs> so fucking good, man. Yeah, I love a good staycation. Fuck, I could use a I could use yeah. a staycation. Like that is something I would love to do right now. Is just to stay home for a minute. That'd be fucking great. I could go for that. I know the staycation is totally one of those things that you know was made up to make thinking that being so poor that you can't take a vacation and go anywhere and do something is somehow really cool and fun i know that that was made up by the same people that probably said money can't buy you happiness 
but I do enjoy a staycation. I enjoy that very much. I I don't know if you know this. You could just take one. I could, but then where would the work <laughs> the work would need to be done? It I know need to happen. You're you're Tom Hanks in this movie. You are very Ugh. much a a need to work type of guy. Oh my god! And dude. I I that's one of the things that like I think probably because this is a cult movie. This is a movie that people who saw it back in the day. Just loved it, and it did well in the the theater. Even though it didn't do well with the critics for some reason, That's not really crazy sure what, to me. That's I know crazy, but I think it's just very relatable. The idea that like so many people are just so entrenched in the I have to work, I have to get stuff done, I have to accomplish something that they, when called upon to actually relax, can't do it. They just don't know how. No, yeah. I can't. No, I know I you've never, talked I about it before. Off. Yeah, yeah, that, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought like th- this is definitely a movie that is so relatable to so many people because you just can't turn it off. It's hard mm-hmm. to 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 just say like I'm not doing anything this week. Like his decision. I know Tom Hanks uh, said that he felt like the character had decided to. Because, uh, because like the idea of going on vacation itself among suburbanites is like that's a stressful event itself. So his idea in going into the character was that like the character had decided to do this sort of bohemian vacation thing and actually like not go anywhere and stay home, but that this like need to work made that even worse like actually staying home was the worst thing to do because now he's he has nothing to do he has absolutely nothing to do except invent and that's that's what they're doing like they're all three just inventing something because they're bored they're bored to death when he could have been at the cabin watching the guy with hydrocephalus fall down the <laughs> stairs like he always does. What the what? fuck is that line I don't about? No, why do they go to this cabin? <laughs> it, and it goes by so fast where he's like, ah, every year, you know, you just wait for the guy with the big head to fall down the steps and uh, and Fisher's like he has hydrocephalus. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, like who doesn't help him down the water stairs? Water on the brain. What's going on here? And also, why, 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 why? Why is this a normal fixture of this one particular place? Oh, my God, man. You know, you used that phrase back in the day a second ago, and that's something uh, that they kind of address in this movie, too, is like no matter how idyllic and tightly knit your little suburb is, there's always going to be people saying, this place has changed. It's not like it was back in the day. Back in the day, these streets were safe. Like there's right. a conversation in the movie about that, and it's like things are still pretty fine right now but again that's that suburban like kind of idea of like oh things are really going downhill around here things used to be nice before these new people moved in it's very xenophobic (laughs) kind of outlook it's also like yeah it's a real interesting thing uh when people just don't notice that their means change so like when you first move into a neighborhood you're working so hard to make the payments that you don't notice anything about the neighborhood and by the time you get comfortable to the point where you're not worried about the payments, you forget that you just weren't paying attention to the neighborhood before. 
And yeah, now probably all you're like doing that. is yeah. paying attention to the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're noticing because of the free time that you have. Yes, you have more free time. It's easier to make ends meet. Guess yep. what? Now you're just making shit up. Yeah, it, th- this this movie really hits all the high points of suburban horror by by recognizing that like the real reason for suburban horror is that the suburbs are so boring and your life like back then this doesn't happen as much anymore but your life gets so markedly improved as you age because your salary goes up that you don't remember ever being poor and struggling and now you're looking around and trying to make sense of the world and it doesn't make sense to you because you didn't pay attention before. Yeah. You didn't pay attention to what was going on. Because it was so busy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God yeah. damn, dude. This this movie is one that I will I will watch over and over and over. The 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 comedy, the yeah. cast, the performances, the 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 soundtrack, the cinematography, like I I don't really have any complaints. I don't think I have anything negative no, I don't, to say I don't. about this movie to you. No, I, and that's 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 something that I would just fully like. I I, I wonder uh, like if I'm not catching some context of this movie where the actual making of it was seen as as bad by people because of the writer's strike. I, I I just don't know because the way that the critics responded to it doesn't make sense to me. That this the a lot of what they said was that it didn't mean anything. There was like no meaning to it. And it's like, what I've had, yeah, we've just talked about it for two hours. I have so much to say about it. I don't know what you mean when you say it doesn't have meaning. So yeah, to me, it's real hard to, to find any flaw with this. And this is a movie that I absolutely love and have for a long time. And, And I think looking at it, trying to look at it critically and see like, am I just seeing this as, as nostalgia? It's like, no, you watched it as an adult and loved yeah. it and I, I i just think i think it's a really good movie I, oh, I, I, it, yeah like what what would you rate it i i i'm gonna hold off until i hear what you you gotta say easy dime easy dime yeah, dude i know ten. right fucking right? ten like it's so this easy is one of those ones that you know just like i said about big trouble in little china where i yes. have no nostalgia for that movie i watched that but know, it fairly hits. recently yeah. for the first time and i, I kind of like mourn all the saturday uh summer afternoons i could have yeah, spent watching this yeah. <laughs> yes exactly because movies <laughs> like the burbs movies like big trouble like these are just made for those summer vacation you know yes. hot saturdays with nothing yeah. to do because it's too hot outside like they're yep. made for shit like this and uh, yep. i will continue to enjoy them that way forever yeah i agree this is a 10. 10 not not even not even tough i didn't want to be the only one giving it a 10 <laughs> Easy 10. <laughs> Easy 10. Great. No complaints. Let us know what you guys think about this uh, this classic over on our Facebook group, Instagram page, yep. Twitter, uh, all the other places you guys can find us. Use our Linktree page to find us on the social medias. That's also where you can find our Patreon page so you can give us your hard-earned dollar money. That's right. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes. Uh, got a, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, oh, shit. Uh, insidious. We got an insidious episode of Hell Rankers coming out very soon. Um, also, if you become a patron on a $5 level, you get to submit a movie to the smoking bowl. And then we draw from the smoking bowl and we cover the movie that we draw from the smoking bowl. It's really fun. And we're going to do it 
next week. That's right. We are. That's right. I'm sure it'll be a good one. Our last one was that old whiz hamster, which was a yeah. fucking <laughs> treat. Wishes. Agony. I miss that guy. We should Ooh, talk yeah. about him again sometime. <laughs> How about it? Yeah, so uh, yeah, tune in, follow our social medias and stuff so you can find out what the next movie is going to be here on the next installment of Drang and Largely, here with the hostess most me, 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 And me, her, 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 her. Can I do that again? Me, your good buddy, <laughs> Uncle Ben. Me, Hollywood Steve. You know who the fuck we are. Bye! Bye. So my buddy Phil got me a little Pazuzu statue to keep in my studio as part of my my birthday celebrations, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but Uh I don't think there's anybody out there that brings the long dick energy quite like a Pazuzu, you know what I mean? (laughs) That thing's snaking all around, straight up. Right? Okay. Woo! He's he's also got that look on his face, like, yeah, I'll dick you down. Howdy. Howdy. See anything uh you like? Huh? Yeah, right? He's like got that big hand up, like welcoming you to the dick. The thing is about it, though, is he's kind of got the, well, you know, it's kind of the uh, the Baphomet kind of sign going on where one hand's up and one hand's down. And I've always wondered right. about that. I think he uh-huh. is describing to you how big his dick is. He's like, it's about this yeah. big, but it's also like pointing straight up in the air. It's like, oh, I can tell. <laughs> I can see that. No, it's it's clear. That's obvious. <laughs> Probably bigger than you're saying, honestly. You know, he seems pretty casual about the whole thing. <laughs> he frankly. does, he does. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, what's he got to worry about? Dick right. that big? He's he's got no worries. I'm sure. He, this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, once you get a dick uh, uh, over ten inches, they just send you a check. Well, here's the thing that I'm thinking big about dick too. Check. Mm-hmm. If you'll remember Pazuzu, he's got that that long old snake dong like he's got, uh-huh. but he's also got him a nice pair of wings back there. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Just imagine that thing is flying overhead, but that big old long dong is just drooping. Yeah, he's getting fucking hit in the face by a Pazuzu dick on your way to work. Yeah. He's not made for the modern world, man. That thing could be hitting power lines. Anything. <laughs> Poor Pazuzu. Aw. Cock too big. Yeah, it's a curse.